Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of Movies on the Rocks, starring us, the Motor Boys. Motor Boys. One sentence into the podcast. Never. Dude, you keep saying that every time, like as if that's going to stop us. I nope. don't even know. Nope. Alright. Motor Not Boys, even we're here. Everyone, in case you picked up on it, we're already on a tangent. We are here. We are here and we will be fearful of our tangents and whatever else pops up in any way, shape, or form. Okay, as always, me, Tomas, my brother, Goody. Hello, hello. And Derek. Oh, God. All right, yeah, I'm here. As, you know, because every, every crazy motherfucker, meaning me and Goody, needs a straight man. And you're our straight man, Derek. You know, like, you're like, our, you're like the abbot to our Costello. I'm trying to reel it in, man. Just reel yeah. it in. You know, it's just, you always got to say who's on first. You know, always that John. Bro. Naturally. First, first is on second, right? <laughs> no, who that's no who's on first. We can go all night on that, brother. All Anyways, right. but as always, we are the Motor Boys. This is Movies on the Rocks. Uh here we talk about a movie on a week uh, on, on every episode um in alphabetical order, regardless of genre. Um last time was uh the uh Poly Shore vehicle known as In the Army Now. Uh this time it is the classic so Spielbergian motion picture known as Jurassic Park from the mid nineties. Amazing motion picture, fucking incredible motion picture. I mean, it really, it did, it, 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 all, it always hits always the bells and whistles. But in any way, we, we'll talk about that movie today. But first of all, we're going to have to pay our dues and have a little bit of a discretionary message uh, from the uh, law offices of Burial and Burial and Bidet. Uh, Goody, please take it away. God, Bidet, Jesus. <laughs> As always. Uh, everyone, as you all know, you're here, you've, you've heard it before, but here it is again. This is Movies on the Rocks. And as the name implies, um, there is going to be some drinking of alcoholic libations going on. Uh, although if it says libations, isn't it alcoholic already? I don't know if I'm being redundant. It doesn't really matter. The point is, it's gonna be, we're going to be drinking, uh, and, um, we invite you to join us in the same practice, but only as far as the rules and laws and orders of your, respective regions allow. So please, if you're going to be joining us, uh, do so responsibly, but also do so legally. Um, and uh, if you can do it, great, join us. And if you cannot, then I'm sorry, just wait until you can. And, uh, you know, however many years from now, you can just listen to us again and join in with us again. Just pretend. Um, just use your imagination. Just use your imagination. Pour your glass of water and, uh, I don't know, feel like you're getting drunk off it or something. Exactly that. Also, um because there's going to be some uh, drinking of alcohol, some people might get a little bit more, uh, a bit a little, bit, a little bit more loose, a little more fluid with their language. There might be some obscenities said. It's, actually, there already was one. Uh, drop my my brother. He's the usual source. And so, uh, as a result, <laughs> keep in mind we're just keeping it light. We're keeping it fun. We're keeping it funny. That's kind of how we do things here. Um, and so, if anything we say does happen to offend you, we do apologize. It's never our intention. It's just our intention is to have fun and have a good time. And I hope that. Well, we all hope that uh, you join us in that good time. So uh, let's get going. And as always, you know, it, it just, to, to, I guess uh, I'm going to try and probably murder the quote, but as they said in Mandalorian, let us have a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative. What? Sounds about right. Sounds about Sounds right. Sounds about right. I was like, I'm pretty close. <laughs> I'm pretty close. You, you haven't seen the Mandalorian, have you? I have. Where? I don't remember that at all. Oh, it's a great line. Oh, that's what the, the, it's one of those lines the client says by the great yeah. director Werner, Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. 
<laughs> awesome director, great character. Yes, fantastic character. Yeah, dude. He when when they're about to when they're about That's to sit the down, guy who says this is a child, right? Exactly that guy, okay. the German, the old German guy, and uh, he 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 has that. He's probably the greatest line in Star Wars history. Almost as the Force is with you or whatever. It's like right up there, dude. Why don't we? Can, why don't we have? It seems like we ha- let's have a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative. Amazing. I mean, who thinks like that, dude? Only Werner Herzog. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's fucking unbelievable. But yeah, yeah, dude. So, anyways, but uh, but yeah, please, everybody, uh, drink responsibly, have fun, enjoy. And now we're talking about drinking. Goody, what are you drinking tonight? Well, tonight, uh, I am drinking Bullet Bourbon, B U L L E I T, Frontier Whiskey. Uh, if you don't, I mean, I don't know if you spell it right. I probably had it before. I'm drinking because, um, again. Uh, a while back, a couple weeks ago, I bought a what I call the comically large bottle of it, and so uh, I'm just trying to make my way through that bottle. It's a handle of Bullet Bourbon, but it's just to me, it's funny. I think I talked about it before. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Is what this I did your? Anymore. Is this going to be your Kraken? Is this going to be now? You uh, gave me shit. I, it's going to be. You gave me shit about my Kraken. It no. might be. It might. <laughs> if I don't buy any more bourbon because I don't necessarily have to, then that's going to be my Kraken for a while. I mean, I love, I love it though, so it's fine. Yeah, no. But yeah, yeah it's a, it's a bottle that like. You know when you buy a handle of alcohol, it's usually like the, the, the bottles are one way and then the handle just kind of looks a little different, but it doesn't look it just looks like a bottle with a handle and nothing crazy. But for some reason I found it so funny that Bullet's handle is the exact same kind of bottle as a regular regular sized bottles, just ginormous sized. So it just looks like a huge to me, it looks like a comically large bottle of bourbon because it's just how they made it look. It doesn't look any different than the regular sized one. It's just really, really big. Anyway, so yeah, that's what I'm drinking. Bullet bourbon. Nice. Derek, what are you drinking tonight? Smirnoff? No. Jackass. Um, <laughs> I mentioned on the last episode that I had a bottle inbound that I was uh, kind of excited about. I tried it uh, whenever I was hanging out with some friends, and I know that you guys love the whiskeys and whatnot, and I'm by no means a connoisseur, but I found something called Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. Oh. So it's whiskey, but it tastes like peanut butter. And that's right up my alley. So that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. I love peanut butter. It's called Screwball. I've never even heard of that. That sounds really never good. Heard of that, that. Yeah, I love yeah. peanut butter. Screwball yeah, with a K. That's them. Oh, cool. Write that down, Goody. Might yeah. be might be might be the next bottle after you finish your comically large bottle of bur- bullet bourbon. Yeah, that's it. There you go. I'm writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Is that what it sounds like? Okay. That sounds like when you, when you yeah put pencil to paper. <laughs> so that's like from a TV show. From cartoon. Oh my god. Okay. Anyways, are we gonna hire right, so the then, guy from Police just to do sound effects? Yes. For yes. Yes. We're gonna hire. What's this guy? What was his name? John Washington. I forgot his name, dude. Oh, like um, what are you drinking? Anyways, I am drinking uh, Ron Sacapa, twenty-five year on the rocks. So wow, twenty-five years old. Jeez, that must be yeah. super nice and smooth. Oh, oh, dude, you have no idea. And honestly, it is only like you can buy the bottle. For like fifty bucks tops, dude. Tops. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, dude. No, it's not. It's not expensive at all. A twenty-five year bottle of Ronza Capa, maybe okay, sixty dollars. But that's about it, dude. It's not expensive. Look it up. It's not expensive for twenty-five year old. Anything like that is like that's yeah. Like, that's like yeah, like dirt cheap sounding. I don't know. Yeah, no, and it's worth the money, dude. It's worth the money. Worth the money. Yeah, so, man. I mean, I've always had like you know, I always hate when they have those like really expensive liquors, and you're like, man, yeah. not really worth it. You have a cheaper version of that same one. You like it more. I always talk about the same thing. Like for me, it's always been um, when uh, having 
like Johnny Walker Blue Label or have Johnny Walker Gold Label. And like Gold Label is still an expensive bottle of whiskey, but it's like about half the price, a little bit less than half the price of a bottle of like Blue Label. But I think it's so, so much better than Blue Label. For uh, like, for like, for like, I don't want to be controversial. Do you, do you tell me the other one you used no, for mixing? No, 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 red? no, 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 no. Red? red is the basic one. Red is for mixing. They said at the, when we used to go to the Johnny Walker tastings years ago, that's they said red is made for mixing. And after that, they're all pretty much for the, uh, the rest of them are on the rocks, how you want them. But, but gold label was one that's like, it's like 80 or 90 bucks, um, for a bottle. And like blue labels, of course, like 150, 170, whatever it is. But man, gold label is great because they tell you like, put it in the, the freezer. Gold label when it comes out, it's like a nice. It's got like got hints of honey in it and stuff. It's really, really, really nice. Cool, that's good, man. That's good to know. <laughs> Our fact check department. <laughs> ah, he's here. Fact check department. Fact <laughs> uh, check. The, the sound effects guy from uh, Police Academy is a man by the name of Michael Winslow. Oh, thank you, Mr. Fact Check. There he is. No relation to Mr. Winslow Family Matters. Oh, Jesus Christ. You're welcome. <laughs> and just as quickly as he arrived, he was gone again. It's just as like- He's here <laughs> whenever our prayers need him. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. He, oh, the, way, the way he pops up, it, it, like I, was, I think of Quato from Total Recall. Oh God! Quaid. Yeah, Quaid. Quaid. God, I just saw that movie like a week ago. Look so your good. mind, Quaid. Wait, Look which one did you see? You saw, you saw the. You saw the version. Oh, thank this God! One, yeah. Oh, thank I, I know that I forgot that there was the other one with uh, God, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, Kate Beckinsale. That's I, not worth I, it. I, I kind of want to see it just to say I've seen you, it. You should. No, you I, should. You should. Yeah. It's okay, like okay. So, so as far as like sci-fi flicks, it's cool as hell because the special effects are amazing. Which, by the way, everyone who's listening, that's not the movie we're talking about today. But no, it's it not. Just got on another tangent. So yes, let's yes. No, but but it's cool as far as the special effects. They're cool. I mean, it's 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 an updated version. Okay, but as far as for some reason, it's just like the '90s schlock version, which is the one that we all know and love. Is just like so much better for some reason. Maybe it's maybe there's a Thundercats effect happening. I don't know. I think no. it's funny because like every season or every scene, uh, you know, Schwarzenegger's there and he's basically just being talked to the whole <laughs> yes. time. He walks in and he has one line to start the conversation and then it's everyone talking to him for the next two minutes. <laughs> what is it? What is the what what does the head say when before it explodes? What does it say? It says, uh Get ready for a surprise. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Something like that. Well, you know what? You watch that movie and you're like, Oh wow, the blue special effects, boop. But I remember when that movie came out, I think it was insane. I think they won the Academy Award or nominated for for best visual they did. effects. Did they, they win or they nominated? They won the Academy Award for best visual effects. Yeah, man. For that time, it was whatever it is, 19, early nineties, I and mean, that was dude. I mean, phenomenal just, stuff, man. Just the scene with the head coming off of his head, though that 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 mask coming off of his head. I mean, if, even though you know you can tell, even back then you could tell it's fake. Like the Schwarzenegger head is fake, but the way it's coming out, the way it comes together, is amazing, dude. Amazing. The thing that baffles me is like, again, we're on a tangent here, but like, how is it that that? Don't get me wrong. That movie, great, great movie, really good visual effects, really, really solid. Don't, don't, no complaints, right? Michael Ironside is a national treasure. Go ahead. But in the reality of like, this shit came out after things like Puppeteers and all that um, Frank Oz did. I mean. I think of things like the labyrinth and 
Land Before Time that had incredible practical effects with, um, what is it, the uh, animatronics or whatever that they used? Well, Land Before Time was animated. What are yeah, you talking that was about? animated, man. What are you talking about? No, not Land Before Time. I'm sorry. Never Ending Story. I was totally oh, wrong. okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Whew. I was like, what movie are you watching, dude? No, my wife decided to watch Never Ending Story the other day, and I was like, dear God, why? Did you cry? Did you cry? Tell me you no, cried. No, I walked in like halfway through it, so I wasn't invested. <laughs> but then, of course, she cried when what's it? The horse died. Man. Oh God! Look no. at what you see. <laughs> Anyone tuning out at this point, I don't blame you. <laughs> what was it? What was the scene with the horse? What was the horse's name? Oh my God! It's like maybe Mister Fact Check will get it, come back with it. Wasn't it like Atrax or something like that? I don't know. I know it's a Treyu. Is the is the main character? Treyu is the person, but yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Anyways, he screams and the, the horse dies, and it just you know my heart breaks right there. But anyway, I, mean, I could never, I could never sit through that scene. Actually, I remember distinctly. I would oh, when I knew get it was up. coming, I would get up, I would look away the whole time. I could not watch that scene of the horse like dying and oh, sacrificing we, oh, itself. Oh, we'd fast forward. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I uh, know, man. It was. Oh, oh my god, watching that, and then I'd be like, now I look back on it. I mean, it's sort of like the reverse of when you jump off of Yoshi. To get a little further into Mario World. (laughs) 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 Fact check. Artax. 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 Come on, Artax. Let's go. Come on. (laughs) Dude, I was like, because I wasn't invested, I was just on my phone, right? I walk in halfway through and I'm looking up like all the fan theories and you know, all the, you know, connections between this and that and what it all represents. And I was like, this is a fucking kids movie. It's just for fun. Can we not just have a fun movie? <laughs> no. No, dude. Why? Well, it's a German novel, so maybe not. Yeah, that too. Oh. It was directed by the great Wolfgang Peterson, which is also Yeah, a- the first movie actually was like once, it was actually, because I did a whole, like, look, looked into it because I wanted to know more about the story. And like, they made a couple of sequels afterwards, but it was apparently... A really big, like, like, I guess, yeah, novel in Germany. Um, like, and also like thick. I like, had a lot of stuff going on, a lot of story. And so this first movie was only like one first part of the novel, but there was a whole lot more that was like made into the sequels. Um, there were like two or three sequels after it. Two sequels. Yeah, there was one with Jonathan Brandis as a as an older, uh, what's his name? Um, Bastion. There it is. Yeah, he's older. And then the, I don't know if they made the third one, but um, but yeah, yeah like, it's they funny. Make a, they did make a third one, but it was like a straight to video release kind of thing. So yeah, but it was a pretty big. It, apparently, it was a pretty hefty volume. So it's funny how you say that because I had never considered that. Right? It's based off of an old book. It you know German. I, I don't know, but um, the first thing that comes to mind is Grimm's fairy tales, and if you know anything about that. That is some gruesome child stories that are the original. Yeah, the original scare children into being obedient, and I mean it's where we got a lot of big stories. <laughs> well, there's a there's like also this like old German um, kids book about it, um, about like like little lessons, and it's like the name of it is, and I think translated to English, it's like shock-headed Peter or shock-headed Pete. Where it's like this little boy in the in the book, and he's like 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 crazy hair and stuff. But he um he it's a it's a collection of like it's in German, but it's a collection of like don't be like so and so because then this will happen. And they tend to be really 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 dark things that like 
don't run with scissors or like someone will come and cut your fingers off or something like that. Where there's yeah. almost a kind of disconnect there. But they're, they're, and like Shockhead Pete is just one of the kind of like cautionary tales, but it's like really dark stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm going to show that to my son. He'll learn. <laughs> yeah, these stories are dark. I mean, like the, the original story of like Snow White or Rumpelstiltskin or gosh, I'm trying to remember if somebody. Well, else. no, dude, I got to look at his original story of Little Red Riding Hood. I mean, yeah, there the, you wolf, go. the wolf, for God's sakes, I mean, he eats everybody except the hunter. And then the hunter kills him, takes him home and starts to gut him and everyone falls out alive. <laughs> so, I mean, God. I mean, that's just, it's just, I mean, it's how those stories work. But, um, okay. Yeah, like, like, last thing. One of the stories in that thing of shock-headed Peter, I was looking it up because I gotta find it. I knew there was one of them. There's one story where it's like a little girl, they warned her, don't play with matches. She played with matches and burns to death. Like, well, and like, like the picture no is like, she's like, ending on that one. Yeah, well, or another one where a little boy was really mean to people and you know, then he was mean to a dog and the dog bit him and he got really sick and ate all his food. And the boy had no food because the dog ate his food because he was sick. From being bitten, yeah, and being that, mean. that always reminds me of that story from Scary Stories, the black dog. <sighs> okay, all right, now that's a whole other wow. <laughs> all right, that's Should a lot to unpack. Anyways, go to the news desk. Yes, as a matter of fact, thank you for letting thank you for letting us know, Mister Derek Benez. It is time to go to the news desk. <laughs> News of the day. News of the day. News of the day. News of the day. Your God, give me the news. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the big news is actually a, a, is a the big one for me anyway, and uh, is uh, an evolving story. It's kind of you know getting bigger and bigger as we go along, but it's the current well current for today, uh, the twentieth of August in the year twenty hundred and twenty. For those of you that are hearing this. Uh, sometime in, Domini. in the, on one of the many, many colonies that Earth has now spread out and established on this galaxy of ours. Maybe even Andromeda galaxy. Hello there, folks in Andromeda. Hello. All right. Anyway, uh, is now. Don't end. I love it. The battle, the battle, the battle that has been, has now been created between Epic Games and Apple. Oh, you heard about this? Yeah. yeah What's yeah. going on here? They're, 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 are they have they're having a true battle royale? Uh, yeah. Oh basically. my god! I, hey, look, you can't stop at that point. Might as well just whatever. Anyway, so uh, Epic Games, um, people who run, gosh, what is the big game that they do? Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite. Fortnite. Dude. There you go. Jesus Christ! Hey, look, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so they they own, operate, maintain whatever uh, Fortnite, along with a bunch of other games. They're they're not, and know, also run- Unreal Engine is theirs as well. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, obviously they're spreading to more platforms than just the computer. And so they've got their game sitting on, you know, PlayStation and Xbox. And primarily the big point here is that it's on the Apple OS uh, platform. So people when using their iPads or iPhones can play the game. Well, Apple takes a cut of all the uh, funds that you make um, for all those transactions, 30%, which you know, personally, if I think about something like that, if I were a small game, then, you know, 30% might be uh, more appropriate for limited numbers of transactions. But when we're talking about, what was it, like 10 or $15 million a month or something that Epic Games makes through the Apple Store, uh, Apple's taking 30% cut and Epic Games doesn't like it. So they 
launched a uh, promo on their game for you to be able to you know, buy coins or currency or whatever in the game at some kind of discounted rate. And they allowed people to do it outside of Apple's ecosystem so that they would forego the 30% and not have to pay it to Apple. And Apple quickly pulled them from the store. Um, as a side note, they did the exact same thing on the Android Play Store through Google, um, and they have an active lawsuit with Google as well at the exact same time. But um, no one's really paying attention to that because uh, a big chunk of the American industry is in the Apple ecosystem. E- e- Apple ecosystem, yeah. So, yeah. What do you think? I just, I just think it's really funny. Um, I think it's because, hilarious. Well, I think it's funny because, you know, it's obviously it's Apple's a big bad. And of course, this was planned from the beginning. And how do we know that? Because one thing I didn't mention was the detail yeah. was that as soon as that they started up, um, you know, they Epic immediately filed had, the paperwork. Well, not just that, but Epic had the little video where they were parodying the 1984 Mac mm. commercial um with like Fortnite Stop, yeah. characters and all that but like now yeah, this time yeah. the big bad is apple like if you if you remember the old commercial it was like the guys walking and marching in 1984 in black and white and there's this lady running and she throws the hammer and you look at the big screen she throws it at it's like an old guy with glasses and like talking and blah blah blah, blah, blah being all like you know big brotherish and all that stuff well this time when they did it it was the same idea and it's almost like a shot for shot recreation of it um recreation of it rather but even but now the guy in the big screen is a talk is an, a talking Apple with glasses and a suit on and all that. So obviously Apple is the big bad. But yeah, I mean they were clearly planning for this and waiting for it because as soon as that happened and the filing was done, the video went live. Like they had this ready and ready to go. Like this is something they were planning on doing. Well, um, and they they in that same you know because back in the day it was Apple freeing people from the clutches of IBM and the personal computer industry, right? Now it's Epic Games freeing, well, conceivably, like uh, game developers from the clutches of Apple. So Apple's now the bad guy. And on top of that video being ready to release at a moment's notice, they also had all of the, you know, legal paperwork lined up and ready to send out to every vendor that they worked with. The only thing that surprised me so far is, you know, PlayStation and Xbox do the same thing. They take a cut. So why haven't we heard anything about them? Well, maybe they don't have a deep as deep a cut. Maybe it's not thirty percent. Maybe it's only like I mean, I don't know. I mean you could probably find out. Um, but it may not be as deep a cut as as with uh Fortnite, as with uh, Apple. So that so, might be why. It's funny, so, it's it, it it what what surprises me and it's super funny because they did that whole video and everything. It just it just makes it makes me laugh that, you know, Apple was always supposed to be like the rebel of the PC and you know computer industry kind of thing always wanted to be different and they they they've become who they fought against which is hilarious where it just goes to show you however long it takes but eventually you're going to turn into your worst enemy in those types of industries you know what I mean you could be a, a as a as a as people used to say a maverick anytime you want but eventually your your rules become standard then you become the man you know what I mean you have become what you feared most which is hilarious to me. What do especially you, since especially since yesterday they they scored two trillion dollars. You saw that first no. company to ever make two trillion dollars in their market cap. No. Yeah, they're yeah, the first dude. multi if you will multi trillion dollar company or whatever. Yeah, and, and and they hit the trillion dollars what like a year ago maybe. Yeah, and so they made oh, a trillion like dollars. The in Apple's evaluation is it two trillion now? Yeah, like their market capital right now. What their value would be is two trillion dollars at this point. 
Dang, dude. I was going to um, uh, Oh, um, yeah, fact check. Actually, pretty much 30% is basically industry standard for taking a cut for these kinds of games in these different systems. PlayStation Network takes 30%. Xbox Game Store takes 30%. Even Steam takes 30%. We can adjust it depending on the uh, amount of copies are going to be sold. Thank you. Mr. Basically, what basically what this guy was whispering in my ear with a sweaty upper lip was that pretty much if they if they know your game is not going to sell, if if your game is going to sell a whole lot of copies, digital copies, then actually they might drop the percentage down because it's almost like a bulk rate, I guess, if they'd be offering it to you. Whereas if it's not going to sell as many, if you're kind of a small vendor, then they're going to, they want to get, make, make as much money as they offer you as they can. So make it 30%. But basically everybody is 30%. Epic was like really, really special because they capped their percentages at 12%, which is why they were trying to get, how they got, how they're trying to get developers onto their Epic game store. Um, but 30% is, is the norm. It really is. I wonder if, so that, that kind of leads me where I was headed. I wonder what Epic is. Like actually, what 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 settlement would they truly be content with? Is it just the ability to negotiate based on volume? Because I mean, thus far it's very much sound like you know Apple specifically just it's flat thirty doesn't matter who you are, and maybe Epic just wants the ability to negotiate who knows? to something lesser. You know, who knows? I mean, they may they they maybe they're going to ask for something where they can do you know, skins on their own. I don't know. God only knows. We'll have to wait and see how it works out. But it's just funny because supposedly the paperwork that they filed for the, that, that, that Apple filed in the lawsuit, um, is essentially the same paperwork they used to win another lawsuit like four or five years ago. So, I mean, it's, it, it they, they're not, they're used to this. So who's to say what's going to happen in the next few months with the judge? So a year it could be it could it could well it could be, could take over well over a year. Didn't they didn't they already remove Fortnite from the App Store? Yes, yeah, I, I was gonna say that. And now I was looking at, and now I was like kind of looking into that. Uh, and all the little side things are happening. Like now people are selling iPhones that has that have Fortnite on it, and they're selling them on eBay for up to eighteen thousand dollars. They're selling them on oh eBay. Uh, yeah, and Apple. Are you serious? Apple, I have it on my phone. An iPhone, an iPhone, iPhones are selling. Like, yes, I do. <laughs> I do have it on my phone. People are, people are selling them on eBay for like an exorbitant amount of money to have that iPhone with Fortnite installed. I remember it was back even when, um, way back when, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, the, um, the, uh, Silent Hill PT that came out years ago on the PlayStation Network, years and years and years ago, back when, before Hideo Kojima and, uh, or Kojima, I can never, I never learned, um, got into his fight with Konami. And basically they cut off like Silent Hills and he went off on his own and did like uh, Death Stranding and all that. Well, before that, they were going to make a Silent Hill game that was going to be starring Norman Reedus as the main character. And it was going to be in conjunction with Guillermo del Toro, right? And oh, yeah, they a, had that, they had that, uh, and PT was demo. the quote unquote, well, yeah, it was called quote unquote, it was the name is PT because it was a playable trailer and it had all yeah. this kind of like, that was you great. know, it was crazy. It was great. It was a circle, but you went through it and think things would change every time. It was an amazing thing. And then, when there was that fight uh, with Kojima and they decided not to cancel that game, then they pulled the PT, the trailer, from the PlayStation Store. To the point that even if you were like someone like me who downloaded to your PS3 and had it, if you ever deleted it from your PS3, you would not be able to re-download it off of the PlayStation Store. And so what people were doing was just like what was happening with the Fortnite thing. People were clear, you know, downloading, had it downloaded on their PlayStation 3 and they were selling PlayStation 3s that had PT loaded onto it for like tons of money. For Did they ever like refund or anything like that? 
Well, PT was free. Uh, it was a free playable trailer for the new Silent Hill game that well that, that never happened, but that was supposed to happen, and that was going to be like kind of like a, yeah, it was a playable trailer. It was really cool. Look into it; it's really great. That tons of like play videos of it. I mean, it's really interesting what they did with it. Um, but then it never came to fruition, and then it was pulled from the store, and you could never re-download it. Like if you down, if you deleted it from your system, you couldn't get it back. I mean, you there's know, there's 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 demos, dude. But that game, that demo, that playable trailer was unbelievable, dude. Because it was always different, and of course, you know, in the and after a while, you're gonna figure everything out, and you're gonna see everything. But, dude, I mean, the 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 overall like ambiance of the playable trailer and just the energy that it gave off and the way you played the game, and what you had to deal with, what you had to look for. You know, sometimes you'd be walking down the hall, you turn a corner, and there and there's a and there's a. <laughs> All of a sudden, something kind of walks in front of you, like down the hall, passes the hall, and just disappears. And you're just like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> you know, and of like, course, the music creates a jump scare because like, yes. it doesn't jump at you, but you think it is, and ugh, it's crazy. You turn a corner, you open a door, you think someone's gonna be there, it's not there. You turn back around, it's there, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, so, well, and this whole thing, and just to answer your question, Derek, I'm kind, of, kind of like the big reason I think why everyone's making a big stink out of Apple. But like everyone else charges thirty percent, is the fact that um, Apple and, and by extension Android mobile phones um, are over a billion people, right, on this planet are signed in. Get them. So for them both to do that, it's like they're well, they're they're looking at it as um, monopoly. Basically, it's a violation of antitrust laws because yeah. like PlayStation Store, you they charge thirty percent, but they don't have a billion people on PlayStation Store. All right, or buying it constantly. But like, if you have a Google Play, if you if, you know if you're using Google Play, you have an Android phone, or if you're using, um, you know, at the Apple, the App Store, like you're kind of you're kind of shackled to those ecosystems, and you're stuck with them, and you can't do anything about it, right? Um, and it's like it, it, just the fact that the sheer number of people that are use those ecosystems, it's they're they're arguing it's anti, it's a, a violation of antitrust laws. The fact that they're forcing everyone to, you know, pay them thirty percent. And that's true. For, that's both for uh, the game, and also obviously any in-app purchases. Yeah. So can I can I just I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent in the middle of a tangent, but something that drives me up the fucking wall. It's when, what we do when you know some some app store violates the you know marketplace that they're on. Apple Store could be one. Google does the same thing, right? What they tend to do, like what Apple or, or Google would do, is they basically say, all right, well, you can't update your app anymore. So my problem with that is that suddenly you're the, the reality is that if there's a problem with that app, if that app is, I don't know, leaking your data somewhere or there's some kind of risk to your phone and all of your information, that app company can't patch it until they fix whatever the reason was that Apple blocked you. Well, hold on a second. Actually, that's actually I don't think that's true in regards to Fortnite because I'm I'm opening up the Fortnite on my phone right now and I'm updating the Fortnite from Epic. But okay, so that has to do with how the app is Yes. install it, it's a it's a container that's installed on your phone, but it's downloading content directly from Epic, not from exactly. Apple. Exactly. Exactly. So, That's what I think it is. And, I mean, of course, this is different than other apps where, yes, App Store updates it on a regular basis. I think with this, with this app, Fortnite is updated regularly from Epic. Like it literally just did a nine and a half gig 
update on my phone. Well, and see, that's my problem is not everybody has their apps designed like that. Most apps are not designed that way. There's an app that I'm very passionate about, uh, Floatplane Crew, if you're out there. Um, they can't update their app because they can't abide by, they, they can't uh, afford to lose 30% of the revenue. And so rather than letting them just take down the app and not have it available at all, they have to allow an app to stay up there that could potentially have problems and can't be fixed. You get my drift? You see my problem here? Yeah, which, yeah, which it can in turn then give people bad things to say about a company or a developer when the developer is like, well, it's not our fault that we can't fix the problem that you're having on the app that you're using in that particular OS that you're using. Because yeah, I mean, like, like it's one thing to say that, all right, you're going to take 30%. You're not going to negotiate. That's fine. Maybe I just want to not play ball, take my app from the app store and walk away. But no, you can't do that either. Like that's kind of screwed up to me because now you're putting all your users at risk for the sake of the company that's trying to help them. But the marketplace won't let you do anything. Well, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I think you're, that, that's, that's about right. I feel like, and I think. Epic was going along with the whole thing because you know how like Apple just also said, oh, we are not going to host Microsoft xCloud nor Google Stadia on our phones, yeah, on our OSs. That's a big deal. I don't know if that's and the second th- story, but that's a big deal. Well, no, I mean, that's kind of, you know, it dovetails into that. And that's all, I mean, these are all connected. I mean, my stories today were going to be all connected to this. So this is all good general discussion about that stuff. Um, but because uh, it was slow news week for me anyway, probably because I was on vacation last week. So, but anyway... But yeah, they were um, saying that if you're going to have a game store on iOS, then each game individually has to be submitted and scanned so that they can determine that it's safe and whatnot. But that's 30% on top of 30% on top of 30%, you know? No, exactly. And they're, they're not letting, and they're not going to be able to do that. Like, and the thing is that, look, it's not like, you know, Apple, obviously, because they're a multi-trillion dollar company now. Uh, they're not like small potatoes, like, oh no, they're that scrappy, you know, indie developer that's like the garage. No, obviously not that anymore. I haven't been that way in a long time. But the fact that they're going to preemptively, if you will, ban like any kind of like, no, xCloud, Microsoft xCloud, no. Google Stadia, no. And xCloud is like, is poised to be like, everyone's talking about the Netflix of video game streaming and Stadia was kind of a bust. But xCloud looks like it really pull it off. And now everyone that's using IO, you know, an iOS, you know, system, iOS of any kind, any kind of Apple OS system is OS. I've redundant. Wow. Okay. Anyway, you can't access it. You won't be able to get it. You won't be able to stream video games to your devices because Apple has already told you already before that it's even really come out and developed. You're not going to be get it. We're not going to release it. We're not going to support it. I feel you know? like there's no way they're going to get along, get away with that. Like, it's one thing to say preemptively, when you send it to us, we will deny you. You can say a lot, right? It's only when you actually commit an action, not necessarily a crime, right? Because we have to find that they're guilty, but they have to actually have it submitted, say no, provide whatever snot-nosed reason they want to give. And then, you know, Microsoft could take them to court about whatever. But, I mean, it just seems really asshole-ish to say, I don't care how you send it to us, it's not going to get in. Well, but I don't know how you can go to take the court over it, considering it's like, I mean, they're still a private company. They can tell, you know, we don't want that app to work there. I don't yeah. know. That's, I mean, that's a big gray area with all the, all these conversations. Like, I mean, by that, by that, by that mindset, 30%, 80%, they could charge whatever they wanted, right? Um, it's just, you know, how fair is it? 
and do, you know, whatever people that judges or whatever think that it's fair or not, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, again, it's like, they're a company that's not really, they're a company that's not really hurting. So, I mean, if they decide, oh, we're not gonna, we're gonna, we'll, we'll cut the price down. They'll be all right. They're gonna, I mean, at the end of the day, Apple's gonna be fine. If they decide to cut it down to 20%, they're still making 20% off of every single transaction, which is still a hefty chunk of money. Um, it's funny how like, I feel like Apple started this argument to say, well, we want to protect our users. And if you use our payment platform, then we can control how secure it is. And then, you know, money companies that have money, like Epic Games, they could properly you know, safely and securely design a payment system. And Apple's like, oh, well, no, we're just not going to let you not use our safe platform, you know? And I mean, it's like Android, you can sideload apps. And yes, I mean, to be honest, I am by far an Android fanboy. I don't follow the whole Apple ecosystem or any of that iSheep shit. But all the same. Oh, iSheep. Wow. Hey, there's a reason. It's reporting. They call it Crapple, right? It's Crapple. Anyway. I'm, I remember. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start calling it Poogle. I remember. I remember way back in the day when Apple was the guy that was standing up against Microsoft and the Windows. Back when I was in college, it was like I remember people having like little Windows things to call it like you know the um, the devil we have to live with. They would have like little. They would have like you know they would yeah. make like mods to their load screens for Windows. Is the devil we have to live with? And all yeah. of a sudden now it's all reversed. And now like oh Apple's a big bad guy. I just love that how that's how things have changed like that. Well, yeah, that's just, I mean, and, and Google, they're just as guilty. They used to be, what was it? Don't, don't be evil or whatever. And then they're doing some shady shit too. Well, well, that, that's, that's actually something, something that in the, when, when uh, Epic filed their papers, they made a reference to that as a kind of shot to, to Google, same way who they, in their, I think in one of their like court papers, they filed, they said, you know, and, and they, they basically said that they used to, you know, speak out against evil and now are perpetuating the evil or something like that. Like, and they're one of the, like they made a direct reference to that old Google, uh, slogan and, um, saying that, you know, Google has basically fallen to the dark side as well. Yeah. That, that, that's how it's rolling. But I mean, what, what, what's this one connected to? What's the other news story you're talking about? Well, no, not just the money thing, but also the fact that this actually has a wider implication of the fact that, um, and I mentioned, I kind of referred to it before how like Epic also, you know, is proprietor of the Unreal Engine and how there's, you know, one of the things that Apple is going to do is that if they don't, basically, if they told, you know, Epic, if they don't cease what they're doing within 30 days, which is already, I mean, it's already less than 30 days at this point, um, they're going to basically cut them out of the store, not just cut them out of the store, but also deny the developers tools for things. And this could affect like developers access to a lot of different materials. And that could involve, you know, video games made with Unreal Engine. It could involve VR, PC. I mean, this actually has a lot larger of a ramification if Apple has to kind of cut off Epic from everything that they do. Yeah. Because, they, because, you know, because, 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 you know, people, as much as people talk about PCs, but people still do, I mean, people do a lot of programming and design stuff on Macs. And to them, basically, you won't be able to use anything that Epic develops on a Mac computer. What they say um, is something to do with the Oculus is that that it's going to have big problems because it runs with Unreal. Yeah, like anything. Pretty much, this is the, the the you know this may be just you know what's it Chicken Little Sky is Falling type thing, but one of the p- things people have said or one of the articles I've read is that ramifications of this could be that 
any developers using Unreal Engine could be at a very, very severe disadvantage if, if Apple has to cut off developer access to tools uh, that are de- made by basically Unreal Engine, which they apparently can do. It's funny to me how this, granted, uh, this is all undecided. Apple could be found to be entirely in the right. But this sounds very close-minded of uh, the App Store ecosystems that are out there, whether it be Apple or Google or, you know, for that matter, Sony and PlayStation, or uh, PlayStation and Xbox, I mean. But on the flip side, Apple announced this uh, week that they're going to actually start providing replacement parts and training materials for third-party repair facilities to start repairing Apple devices, which is new. They have not done that in a long time. So we're going to be really open-minded over here, but, you know, where our money is at, no way. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be something that's to kind of watch as it develops, you know, in the next coming, you know, X time and weeks and what have you. But and I wouldn't be surprised if Epic Games throws down some type of tries to request some type of injunction to stop them from taking off Unreal Engine. Well, that's you know? they, they. I think I think they've done that, and they're going. Oh, they're okay. going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's going to be. It's going to be right now. Now it's now it's just a battle right now of like legal motions to see what can stick and what won't stick in the meantime. And so they're probably, you know, they're probably, they're waiting on probably on decisions within the next couple of weeks, whether or not, you know, they may have to, Apple may have to put Epic games back in because Epic, Apple might say it's a breach of contract for them to, or the judge may say it's a breach of contract that they have to have to keep them in at least until the end of their contract. And then whatever, they have to figure something out in the meantime. And right now it's just the lawyers making motions with judges to see what they can keep and what they can't keep, you know, on the, on the app store and what they can and can't use. So we're probably going to see more in the coming weeks. I mean, this is, this is a pretty hot topic right now in, 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 in the world of technology at the moment, because like you said, good, I mean, there's so many developers right now that use the unreal engine with, with all their applications. I mean, well, everybody's a hell, even like beyond that movies, um, the Lucas, the, the volume, the, um, the volume that's used for the, was used for the film of the Mandalorian. Yeah. That, that whole set with every, the entire set's cut with like surrounded by screens. And yeah. All yeah, this, yeah. That was all based on unreal engine. Yeah. So like, yeah. it's not just video games anymore and VR, like the movie industry can be impacted by this because unreal engine is using a lot of visual effects. Did you see that in the in the Mandalorian behind the scenes thing, Derek? Oh, so sick, dude! That thing. How is- crazy! Like, and, the, and then the scenes they're talking about, and I'm like, holy shit! That was on a soundstage. Like, how did that even happen? Like, some of the scenes where they used that those screens, it was just like, how was that even possible? Like, where that's where we're at as in 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 the movie industry, in the film industry, where you can have essentially almost the entire series wrapped up in one of those big circular. Sets with 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 HD, ten K screens. You don't need. It's no longer going outside on location or in a soundstage or you know in an outdoor closed set. It's how big can we make this bubble to project whatever room we want to be in. You know that that's that's going to be the next leap. Is right now. I think that that bubble thing is something like I don't know. It kind of from from the footage I saw, it looked like it was maybe thirty or maybe fifty feet in diameter, right? Um, which, which is giant, but, you know, you might want it to be 100 feet or whatever. And I'm sure technology will get us to that point eventually. 
an entire city. This is going to be all of your weather systems. Like oh, gosh. the perfect, the perfect scene that I thought in, in that, in that one was the Truman one the show. Guy, the, <laughs> it's exactly what it is. The guy who was, uh, the gunslinger or whatever, the gunslinger episode where you had the guy that kind of like double crossed him with Ming Na and that kind of stuff. That scene where he's sitting there on the, on the, on the, on the bike. You know, on the, um, God, what are they called? The speeder bike. Speeder bike. The speeder bike. I mean, that's a scene in that room. Like, it wasn't like, like, against a blue screen. It was against that screen. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, like we said, I mean, who knows what we're going to see. Like, in the next couple weeks, we'll probably see more information come out, legal moves and motions and see what judge is going to be giving something. They'll probably give something to Apple, then they'll give something to Epic to make it even up until they actually actually have to get in front of somebody for the antitrust aspect of it. So all in all, we'll see what's going on. Anything else, Goody? No, no, I'm I'm actually set right here. How about you guys? What, what about you, Derek? I got one. I got one. Okay, so, go ahead, and then I, and then I got something that just broke right now. So go ahead, dude. So you guys, uh, you guys know that guy uh, Ben Affleck. You remember him? Yeah, I heard. I heard of him. I heard of him. I mean, he's been, he's been he's been in some some giant blockbusters, you know, like Chase Geely, Mallrats, and Geely. Uh, Geely, <laughs> really big movie. He did Days and Confused. Yeah, he was in Jersey Girl. That one. There you go. Yeah. So um, apparently. We all remember he, he, you know, he decided to be Batman for a little while and he decided to walk away from that. He wasn't going to do it anymore. They started bringing in and we're still waiting to see the, you know, fruit of uh, Robert Pattinson stepping into the shoes. Right. The, what is it? The cape and cowl or whatever they call it. Yep. Um, but news came out this week that Ben Affleck will return as Batman. Yes. For yes. a flash movie. Yeah. What do you guys think? Okay, so here's here's what have I been saying? Eggplant what have emoji. I been saying? Eggplant emoji. Eggplant what have emoji. I been saying? What have I been saying? What have I been saying? What have I been saying? I honestly I don't remember. I have no idea. But I'm like oh, well, scared. I'm what have I been telling you guys about? What have I what have I been telling you guys about the um? Oh, thank you. The girls made an appearance, guys. By the way, say uh-huh. hi, girls. Hi. <laughs> thank you, girls. Oh, <laughs> they brought man. They brought food. Oh, they brought first food. An appearance. They brought. Hey, close the door. Okay, bye. Thank you. All the way, Sassy. There you go. My goodness. All right. Sorry, guys. But what have I been saying about the DCEU, dude? The DCEU is not dead, dude. It's not dead. You know why it's not dead? You know what they needed to do? Which is what they did. They got rid of people who were running it, like Jeff Johns and all this other shit that was going on. Now that now that Zach's back, he's gonna bro. He's gonna. Do what needs to well, be done. Is he really back, or he just made the Snyder, or he's using the Snyder cut? I mean, is he really Who knows? back? Maybe back? he's on. Maybe he's on as a consultant. I don't know. But now they're like moving forward with all these people. Muschietti, the guy who did it, he's going to be directing Flash. He's already he's going to be in the Fandom on Saturday. You know, he's he's going to be talking about the movie. Uh, you got the trailer's going to be coming out for Justice League Snyder cut. Like the official trailer is coming out. There was a teaser that was released today on it. I mean. And then, of course, like you said, Batflex coming back. He's not going to be. It, it, he's going to be back for more. Don't worry. I know he's going to be back for more. Do you think? Do you think this this whole shift, right? What you're talking about, right? Re- reviving the DCEU, where you know it's not as 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 far gone as we thought it is, and now Snyder's back, and maybe that revitalizes it. Do you think that it's just because they said, well, maybe he's not such a bad guy to work with? Well we'll let him come in for some things and we'll pay him. And suddenly 
talent like Affleck and I don't know anybody else want to, you know, come back and work with him because they know what the hell's going on now, you know? Maybe. I mean, with all the controversy, I think it's the Kevin Feige, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, you, I think you have a good point with that because I feel like, um, especially with all the, the stuff that, um, the actor that played Cyborg has been saying about Joss Whedon. I mean, he's been like really vocal about, uh, his kind of like his, his feelings about Joss Whedon, which are not positive at all. I mean, look him up. Um, and well, I mean, so, he's, he's not the only one to say things. Did you read, have you guys read about James Marsters, the guy who played Spike on Buffy? Um, no, I didn't actually hear anything that James Marsters said about. Oh, well, he said Joss they interviewed him during the whole thing with Joss Whedon. They interviewed him and he said that he wasn't supposed to come back. Like, Joss Whedon specifically wanted him to die when he died and he did die and they brought him back on the show. But he came back in the show is because he was forced to bring him back by the producers and the writers. And they told him, we need to bring him back. He's just, he's just such a good of a character. He didn't want to do it. And when he did it, supposedly like he had, he, 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 James Marshalls and him at one point were in, were by themselves in a room and Joss Whedon literally pushed him up against the wall and told him, I didn't want you back. I didn't want your character back. He's dead to me. You're lucky you're back. This is the only job you're going to get in Hollywood. Basically, that's all. That's what he told him. Be lucky you got this job. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm glad because I actually like that Spike character a lot. So, did I. so I love uh, Spike. <laughs> so, and ends up being one of those like most popular characters in that whole, you know, little Buffy verse that they created. So, whatever. Um, well, yeah. yeah, consider all those things. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe the fact that Snyder might be coming back in a larger, larger capacity, who knows? That might be attracting people back to doing this DCEU. I mean, I, and I've been thinking about that because I know the, the Flash movie, I think it's Flashpoint was going to be made. And I was, whenever I heard about it, people talk about it. I was always wondering, like, are they going to keep it going in the DCEU? Because it seems like so many of those DC movies and properties have moved away from that DCEU. I was even one, and, and, and also reading the articles and the stories about how they thought, no, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to keep it going. We're just going to make separate movies now. Um, to the point where like, even like Wonder Woman 1984, from what I, you know, I've heard about it, people have said that you could watch that movie and not really know, at least supposedly they're saying that not really know it's connected to the, you know, DCEU at large, which may or may not be true. I mean, we have to watch it, but suppose that's what people are saying about it. Um, I was wondering if that was going to be a thing, if they're going to keep it going. Cause I mean, I would like to see that. Frankly, I really would. Um, and they just, you know, and maybe now because, you know, Marvel is in kind of a low period because they're, you know, they're in that whole like afterglow have been a while since, uh, the end of, um, end game. And they're kind of, you know, it's in a transitionary phase. Maybe DC could step in and, and something. But then again, with the whole COVID thing, who knows with how things are developing there, but maybe it's, well, I mean- this is the opportunity they needed. It's funny because um, for the fandom, they have this like like the like DC DC the, like the DC um, fandom group has this Twitter feed, and they have like they're having like a battle royale between different groups for like a like a uh, like like a college basketball like bracket kind of thing, and they have three groups, and it's referenced. The three groups are the DCEU, and in the DCEU, you have Justice League. You have uh, a Justice League Snyder Cut, which is an Elseworld, as they called it. They recently called it an Elseworld tale of Justice League um, because the other one is considered canon. 
strangely as it does, it is considered canon. So, you so have if they continue the DCEU, it's going to be off of the original theatrical yes. cut and not from the Snyder Cut. Not the Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut's going to be considered an Elseworld. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay, so... All right, so anything, any sequels or anything tied so, to that, you so have to follow the storyline developments so the, of that one. So the movies that are tied to that are um, going to be uh, Justice League, you know, the two Superman flicks, Shazam, Flash, Aquaman 1 and 2, Wonder Woman 1 and 2, and um, uh, what was it? Um, what was the other one? Um, uh, um, Lantern Corps? Well, no. Well, he, there, there, he's going to be in the Snyder Cut. Uh, what else? No, 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 no. I said Black Adam, right? Did I say Flash? You said Flash, not Black Adam. Oh, but Black Adam. Um, that's going to be part of the DCEU. And then, of course, in that same group, this was on like on Twitter, in that same group, there was also Surprise Project. So What about rumors. Suicide Squad? Well, that's, oh, Suicide Squad is another one that's on there. So that's part of the DCEU, as well as Birds of Prey. That's part of the DCEU. Okay. So oh, those they, movies, didn't, they didn't distance themselves from that one, did they? No, no, they didn't. They didn't. And so the thing is, is that they're talking about the surprise project and now there's rumors of what the surprise project is. The surprise project, the rumor is that it could be like, um, like something with Supergirl in it. Like it could be a Teen Titans movie. Hmm. But I'm related to the Teen Titans show on the DCEU or the old DC Universe. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Even though I think that's been tied to the Doom Patrol series that's on HBO yeah. Max now, and that's and that's tied to and then and then of course it's just it's this whole thing, you know what I mean? Because that's that world, you know. This is going to be this world, you know. That's those the movies are a different, you know. And of universe. course, not, and of course, I love the fact that they tied the Arrowverse to these movies when they had a yes. quick cameo by uh, Ezra Miller's Flash Miller. on there. Yeah, which was a great cameo, by the way. And the funny thing is, is that when that cameo showed up, all of a sudden, the film quality changed completely. <laughs> it was like movie film quality. Like it was like widescreen, had the bars, like all of a sudden, like what the hell just happened? That's great. It was great. But anyways, but yeah, that's Derek. Good catch, because that was actually going to be my story. I have another one, but that was my story. You stole my thunder, brother. You stole my uh, thunder. Uh, I don't know. Thunder <laughs> never strikes twice in the same place. Is that a thing? <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, a thing. No, yeah, lightning. Not- lightning. Lightning. Mm. <laughs> thunder and lightning. So, but anyways, uh, what else, Derek? What else you got, brother? Man, I'm, I've been looking. I think that's all I got. I got one for you. I got one. So this was another one that I had. So it was either going to be Batfleck. Or this. And this is something cool, and I can't wait for this. So, Disney owns 20th Century Fox. And we're gonna, this is gonna be a quick one. Disney owns 20th Century Fox, of course, they just purchased them. And Disney owns Hulu. And there was always talk that Hulu was gonna be kinda like Disney's dumping ground for their R-rated and, you know, more adult fare. The problem is, is that Hulu can only be found in the US and Japan. It's nowhere else. Okay? So there's rumors. This is just a rumor. So take it with a what? A grain of salt. Like just like what's his name? Salt Bay. Take it with a grain of salt. Okay. Oh, God, salt Bay. Okay. <laughs> but there's rumors that they're going to dump. They're going to create on Disney Plus like an adult only section for their R-rated movies that you have to go in with some type of pin or passcode. That no one else, so no one can go into it. Either that might, who knows, that might increase the price for the package of for for Disney Plus. I don't know, but there's rumors that they're thinking about doing that because the thing is, like I said, Hulu is in the U.S. and Japan, 
But Disney Plus is worldwide. Like Netflix is worldwide. So, 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 so if they do that though, then what's the point of having Hulu? Why not just roll Hulu into Disney Plus? Hulu, Hulu, Hulu gives them access to like, uh, like TV shows. Uh, things like that. It's another form I guess of- all those different licenses that, that Hulu yes. got. Cause, cause yes. like, cause, cause Disney, I mean, Disney owns a controlling share, I think, in it. Like they have the yes. most shares of anyone, but it's not like outright owns like no. they did with 20th Century Fox. No, 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 no. They, they own the controlling share and they're in agreement with Universal to buy NBC Universal out within five years. So they have an agreement. They're going to buy them out within five years, um, at a specific stock price, but, but like, who's to say they could continue on the agreements and and NBC Universal keeps making money because they'll have money at Peacock and they'll have money off this. So it's just, I mean, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But they have channels and all that kind of stuff in Hulu, and it's, I mean, they have everything in there too. But but yes, that's that, that's a rumor that's out right now that that came out today in regards to the possibility that they're going to make an adult only section so you can watch the R rated stuff that you would get from. Disney or from Miramax or from, you know, Touchstone or, or 20th Century Fox or Fox Searchlight, you know, like, because Fox had a lot more R-rated stuff, you know, because they were, they had more adult. They didn't have to worry about the Disney name. So they could do whatever the hell they wanted to. So because they own them now, they have this huge library that they can't do anything with. Well, so, so if I'm understanding it, then like, you're going to have Hulu, which has its own stuff. And then you're going to have basically the adult-only section of Disney Plus, which is, you know, global, right? As opposed to Hulu, which is not. Um, and I guess there's not going to be any sort of – there's not going to be any kind of um, – I'm imagining a Venn diagram now. But you're going to have like – you're not going to have like stuff on Hulu that's also in the adult section of mm-hmm. of Disney Plus? Or is there going to be a little bit of a – Kind of a crossover or confluence there of programming. I have no. I it really just it really just depends. I mean, because Hulu still has licenses with other studios, because there's a lot of there's other movies on Hulu. Yeah, but but they're not crazy awesome, and they're older movies, kind of. So it it really just depends. I don't know how. Like I said, it's just a rumor. Who's to say what happens? I mean, they could do something where you know you pay like an extra five bucks and you have the adult only section. It just sounds like a logistical nightmare to have the people who acquire licensing for Hulu have to check with Disney plus every time they want to bring in a movie mm-hmm. to see if, Oh, is it, does Disney have it? Then I can't have it. Right. I mean, it stands to reason that there would have to be, I mean, not intentionally, but be uh, possible to have overlap, like some things existing in both, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, and then it also depends on, I guess I also like with the, like, um, not zoning, like regions, because like you can, there's stuff on Netflix in Britain, for example, that it's never going to, that it doesn't appear in the US Netflix. Like Netflix in different countries has different programming. Like I remember for a long time, it was sort of like in Netflix in Britain, uh, I think had like Big Bang Theory on there for a long time. Um, and so like maybe that's also part of it, like regional stuff or region coding or I don't know what they call it. Regional licenses are different. So like stuff that might be on Disney Plus adults only in other countries may not be so it will be in Hulu over here because we have Hulu and they don't. And so that regional stuff may not maybe may, may solve part of the problem of like, oh, having them both on Disney Plus as well as uh, Hulu 
And who's to say know. they don't have, they don't already have an algorithm internally to say okay this is in Hulu right now up until such and such date and if then at that point they just load it up. I mean, if we talk about like so, so Disney Disney having controlling shares, they're clearly invested in the success of Hulu. So Hulu has to find a way to stay afloat, and that often means finding content that will bring in viewers. And if that means that you know maybe we have to do it with some type of overlapping content that also exists on other platforms. I just don't understand why they would invest in Hulu, but then limit their potential. You see, what I I'm mean, saying? I see, I understand what you mean, but I mean, Hulu doesn't just show TV shows and doesn't just show movies. They also show a lot of sports. Like mm-hmm. NBC has a has a contract with like Premier League fo- uh, soccer or football. Whoever wants to hear it say it right. for our fans for our fans in England and Ukraine, it's football. Um, so. They have a contract with Premier League football. Actually, it's for our fans uh, in every other country on the planet, except exactly. the United States. Actually, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But anyways, but but uh, they have a contract with Premier League football through NBC, and NBC shows games that they don't show here on regular TV. That's not shown on NBC Sports Network or on NBC itself. They show it on Hulu, so you could have three, four games on Hulu showing at the same time of Premier League teams that are not on TV. So there's a lot more to who the MCI. I'm just learning about it now, but it's just something, it's just something to think about that might occur. Like I said, it's a rumor. No one knows if it's for sure going to happen, but there's a possibility that it might. So, well, in any way, I'm still never going to sign up for Hulu, but we'll see, you know, <laughs> but in any way, shape or form. Oh, wait. funny thing. You mentioned that. Uh, it looks like that the future of uh, those services are going to be bundling stuff now, like forever and ever and ever. So expect in the future, you may have to sign up for Hulu if you have Disney Plus and everything because everything that Disney is going to be releasing, there's there's talk. There's, there's like a, a concept of rolling around that like the future is not obviously cable anymore because that's it, but streaming and that expect companies to make you pay for a bundle. So you're going to get Disney Plus. You're also going to get you're, – you're going to be paying for Disney Plus – you're going to be paying for Hulu. You're going to and be paying ESPN for Plus. ESPN, all you, those things. I think you underestimate the years worth of unwatched movies I have. I would be fine without subscribing. <laughs> I, I think you underestimate the ability of my brother and myself to convince <laughs> you to get it. The, because, of, because of the really good programming that's probably going to be coming out on those <laughs> on those, yeah, those they're, things. They're shooting. They're starting Maybe. to shoot principal. They're shooting principal photography for Obi Wan in the next month or so. Uh, yeah, you can have my money if that comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, all right, guys, way down the street. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, here we go. Here it comes. Um, I believe we're done with our news portion of the of the show. Refill. Uh, it is time for refill refill. refill, 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 refill time, everybody. So go ahead, go ahead and grab your cup, grab some ice, grab your mixer if you're using it. Otherwise, drink it with drink it on the rocks. And we will be back in a few minutes or seconds or whatever. Or seconds or however time long more, I make more. the song. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the wormhole in DS9. All right, everybody. We'll see you in a bit. Bye.
right, now we're back. We're gonna be uh here chilling. We came back from the refill for refills and uh Goody, what'd you refill? You got something different today? Uh, well, I just adjusted my my drink a wee bit. Um so I was drinking the bullet bourbon before on the rocks and uh I actually made myself a pot of coffee a little earlier because I always like to have like a little nighttime coffee. And so I decided to make myself a little bit of a spiked coffee. Uh and so um all I did was just made myself a cup of coffee, but uh added my bullet bourbon. Uh actually nice. a pretty a pretty um generous pouring of it. But nice. it it blends really well with coffee because I thought it was pretty generous and you taste a little bit of the bourbon, but not too bad. So uh Good job. Happy me. Yeah. Happy you. Happy you. And Nothing Derek? better than mixing uppers and downers. <laughs> hey, nice. You're going to feel that in a minute because, you know, we all know coffee's a stool softener. So there you go, dude. There wow. you go. All right, dude. Yes. <laughs> it's got to come out sometime. Anyways. reminds me. I've been, I've been wanting to, I saw a recipe. I'm not having it right now, but uh, Mr. Black's coffee liqueur with screwball peanut butter whiskey was a recipe it came across and it like somebody puts like um uh i'll send it to you guys but they 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 uh they, they put a um i guess it's like a it's not whipped cream but it's like frothed cream or something on top man that sounds delicious like peanut butter coffee kind of like getting like an idochino like getting like kind of like that frothed like that milk froth that you get off like yeah. Yeah. machines yeah yeah that, looks, okay. that, that sounds good i'm not a big coffee person but that sounds nice oh, I'm an uh, anyway i, I Derek, I'm drinking Derek, what are you having a screwball anymore um this is too much talking and i need to you know wet my palate too much to be trying to drink straight whiskey so i switched over to uh coke and vodka so nice. Oh my God. That's a new one for me, but go right I've, ahead. I've actually, it's funny in all my years, I've never heard of anyone drinking Coke and vodka. That's interesting. That's what I have. I'm all out of so many things. <laughs> hey, I like it. Someone needs to go to Costco. There you go, buddy. Dude, I've got a specs in the next town over. I'm in a dry County right now, but oh, man. that's right. That like sucks. the music store. No, it's a, it's, it's a thing in Texas. <laughs> it's a liquor store in Texas. It's a liquor store. There. They're a great liquor store too. They are a really good liquor store. We're going to start naming off stores that are out of business. <laughs> but, do you, yes. do you, but do you, but do they sell CDs and stuff? Yes, they do. <laughs> and, and cassettes. Oh, oh. And la- do they have a laser disc? Laser disc section? No. Oh, no, no, no. How about some CDI called? games? Do they have some what CDI about, games? What, oh what, about God, some, what about, what about some, some Neo Geos? They have Neo Geos? Oh man. How about a 3DO? Nice. Where's about, the Famicom people? Where are you? Not, 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 not DVDs though. Do they have digital discs? Oh gosh, dude. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the little precursors, little tiny yeah. precursors. Yeah. Oh, you guys remember those? Uh, God, I don't remember what it's called. Was it like a pocket, a pocket pal or something like that? It was like a, a tiny little keychain that you plug your headphones into and it had a little bit of cartridge that you could It play. had a little a few song selections. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yes. songs on it and you'd buy them at like Toys R Us. It, it, forget if you wanted a whole album. You got like maybe two songs on that cartridge. <laughs> oh my god. No, no, I actually I don't remember it because I wasn't young like you. But hey, all right, so um let's go oh, ahead and move forward with <laughs> I was, I was waiting you? for that when reference. That came out, how was how old were you when that came out? Six? What was that? I don't, okay, I don't get moving it. On <laughs> the movie of the, the week, mo- the movie of the week that we're going to be talking. Oh, wait, I didn't give you mine. I'm drinking Bacardi Gold and some and some Coke Zero because my wife just brought me a big ass bottle of it. Thank you, thank you, God. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, anyways, as we're talking about it, um, we are going to be as we discussed earlier, we will be talking about the great. 
great 90s uh, action adventure, sci-fi uh, drama. I have no idea what you call it. The great Spielberg motion picture known as Jurassic Park. Action adventure sci-fi. Fact yes. Trick Man, bring it in. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! You took his job away from him. I think he got fired. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> no, anyways. <laughs> so, so yeah. So we'll be talking about the great Spielberg motion picture. Um, just simple facts on the motion picture. We all know that up until Titanic came out in '97, it was the number one grossing box office movie in the world. Um, it made over. It made um made about nine hundred and fifty million dollars worldwide um in the box office so it became so the top grossing of- film of all time until four years later or whatever yes until four years later titanic well um, on a budget of 63 million which yeah is the which is insane no oh no, no there's so much more there's so much more on that there's a lot to unpack with that but came out in 1993 the summer of 1993 can anybody name any other movie from 1993 uh the summer the summer of 1993 uh, no i'm just gonna say it now no no, I, I don't. I don't. Why? Why are you crying? There's no crying in baseball. Wow, that oh, same summer. Wow. Jeez, they came out the same. But 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 luckily, Penny Marshall was smart enough not to go up against fucking Jurassic Park. She took it. Came out like in July. Uh, what was that movie? Their own league or something like that? A league? Of, oh my god! A league of their own. That was such a good movie. Damn. It is. It is. But you know what movie came out at the same time as Jurassic Park? The Firm with Tom Cruise, and it did well. So basically, any other movie that came out during the during that time lost to the firm and Jurassic Park. Well, and it's so funny how like that movie just stands out so much that I, when you said A League of the Road came out the same summer as Jurassic Park, I must have seen Jurassic Park when I was a little older because I imagined myself so much younger when League of the Road came out than when Jurassic Park came out. That I'm like, wait, those came out at the same time? I was the same age for both those films. Yeah, 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 we actually, Aguri actually, strangely enough, because I remember this kind of shit, we actually went to go see both movies in the theater. So we were. I don't, but, but for me, it's funny, like, I don't, yeah. I, I have, in my memory, Jurassic Park came out after League of Their Own by no, a lot. I know, for some I know. reason, I have that feeling. I know, I know, it's crazy. But either way, came out in 93. You read the Jurassic- novel that same summer, I think, also. Yes, I did. I did. I read the novel. As, soon, as we watched the movie, I went out and I bought the novel and I, and I read the you novel. Read I'll talk about that. Huh? For what? Jurassic Park, you read the novel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we watched the movie, and then I read the novel, and then I watched the movie again in the it's theaters. So I think we different. watched it. The book is night and day different. Yes, it is. But I wanted to see the differences and see. And, and the, look, we'll talk about that. We'll get All to right. that point. Right. We'll get to All that. Right. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, okay, so yeah, it's directed by Steven Spielberg um, with a with a screenplay by Michael Crichton and David Cope, um, and it stars the, the great, you know. Global treasures known as Richard Attenborough, Jeff Goldblum, and Sam Neill. There's also Laura Dern is in it. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson makes an appearance. Newman makes an appearance. I think um, Wayne Knight, right? Wayne, yeah. Wayne, Wayne Knight. Yeah, Wayne Knight makes an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know who Muldoon was, but he was amazing. Um, I mean, there's so many good. Oh, and and of course, you know, you have the guy who plays Henry Wu. Um, what's his name? B.D. Wong. Dude. He makes an appearance, and it's crazy because you watch this movie, and then you watch, you know, the last two Jurassic Worlds, and he's so sinister in the last two Jurassic well, Worlds. There, there's are there, there, there. What's funny about it is that, and I don't know, I don't think it was on purpose, but you kind of, I don't think so you either. Can draw, you can draw in the background. Maybe he, maybe that, he just got, maybe he got, maybe he got a. Uh, well, like, 
older and he just got more cynical, I guess, or more... Well, what I love about that is that there's a part in the movie when they're talking to him and he's just like, you know, he just seems like random lab tech talking to them. Yeah. And, but you see they make a comment and he erases something on his clipboard. Like, people... notice that. People have looked back on that moment and said that they drew on that somewhat. I mean, maybe. But, like, you can use it in almost like a film theory type thing. And this is not my idea. There's actually an idea given to me by a friend of mine who saw it also. Um, I'll have to watch that. That, like, that, like, already from that point and his lower level as a member of the InGen lab tech staff or whatever, he's already making his moves and, like, trying to, like, make corrections so I kind of, like, rise to the top that way. You know, what's funny is that and this is just me. I mean, but, and this is something we could talk about, or I'll, I'll just mention it now. At the end of the movie, when they show the helicopter, everybody jumping in, they specifically zoom in on InGen. Right. Like, they were already building the aspect that InGen Technologies was going to be, is essentially the big bad. Like, it's the Frankenstein monster. Like, it's the monster that's really, it's not Jurassic Park. It's not the dinosaurs. It's InGen, which is, which is the whole aspect of what Michael Crichton was doing with the book is that just like what, what Ian Malcolm says about genetic power, that's what he was saying in the book as well. If, if you've read the book, it's like, there's so much genetic power happening now. And that's what he was trying to get at in the movies that when you start going into that part of science, and making those kinds of changes to living natural beings or have lived in the past or whatever, when you start messing with things like genomes, DNA, and and start combining stuff and gene splicing and all that kind of, that could lead to some very, very bad things. I mean, just this week they announced that there's mosquitoes that they're releasing in the in in the Everglades like 750,000 lab created mosquitoes. Like that's not going to be a bad thing. Oh, never, 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 never. You know what I'm saying? Like, because like centuries now, like, <laughs> like go back to Frankenstein, which came out in the early 1800s, you know, of science fiction and speculative fiction has not been warning us about the dangers of doing stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I thought was funny is that I never noticed they may have shown it. But it was always like there was always things happening, so you never saw it. But then all of a sudden, at the end of the movie, they show Engine on the side of the helicopter, and I thought I always thought that was crazy. It was like I never noticed that before. You know, I always saw Engine on the helicopter at the end. I, I I feel like I mean when I watched it, you know, a few days ago, I saw that. I didn't think twice about it. But the fact that you know they, I don't, I don't know that they ever mention engine really throughout the movie i don't think they do that they, they, that's like just oh well we forgot to throw this in you know as part of the reality is that this movie's about to make buku money and we're about to make lots of sequels and we need some kind of big bad to tie it all together right well no they talked about engine because in that in that scene i believe it was that scene when they're in the all when they get introduced that little dna Oh yeah, mascot. You're right. They do drop InGen. They mention InGen from the beginning that it's but, but InGen if, is the people doing the cloning and all of that. But if but here's the thing: if you watch the movie again, watch that scene with the helicopter. They sh- they see everybody running, and there's kind of like a, a kind of a, a triumphant kind of sound when they you see them come out of the building to go to the helicopter. But the minute they show InGen on, all of a sudden the moon does a the music. Sorry, the movie and the music does a subtle shift, 
kind of like to like a minor key almost for just a split second. Dude, you have to pay attention to it, but it's a subtle shift. And the only thing on the screen is the in-gen insignia on the side of the helicopter. Then you see everybody and Morgan, that the, then the music kind of moves up because they're all getting in the helicopter and they're all being saved. But just for that one, like maybe two, three seconds of film, you see the in-gen insignia, insignia and then the music just takes a subtle downturn. It's pretty, it's kind of, kind of, it's really like sneaky in a sense. So just something to think about the next time you watch, or if you want to see that one scene, just kind of like have that in the back of your mind. You know what I mean? Which is weird. You're dead on. It makes an ominous tone the second you see the engine logo. It's crazy, isn't it? This is one hour and 58 minutes into the movie. Check it out. Yeah, dude, for real. Like, I noticed that when I was watching the movie, like, I was like, that wasn't ominous in any way, shape, or form, which means they already had an idea, because the second part, the third part, Jurassic World Park 3, is more of a rescue story, kind of. It doesn't really deal too much, I don't think, with InGen does it good. I don't know, I haven't seen it in so which long. Which one, Jurassic World? No, Jurassic Park 3, the one with Samuel um, comes back, where he has to rescue that couple or whatever. Yeah, from, from, uh, from Site 2. Yeah, from the second location. Yeah, I mean... No, because yeah, well, no, because second location is like it's all ruins and stuff. But it's it is an in-gen, I mean, it's a, it's site two. It's a site that like in the second in the sequel, they t- they were in site two, and that was with um, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character again. And in the, the third movie, they have to rescue the the child actually, yeah. uh, their their son. But yeah, it was that they went back to site two, which you see in in the sequel in Jurassic Park two. They go to Jurassic Park three, but like site two's been like cleared out, and like it's all like ruins and stuff because like you know. It just went to crap and they evacuated and the dinosaurs took over, which I'm actually wondering what happened to site two. Cause I don't remember them referencing that in fallen kingdom no, in, or, or Jurassic world. So uh, there's still a site two out there. It's in their back pocket yeah. for a sequel or a fifth or 12th movie or whatever. Who knows? Who knows? But, but I'm saying, but like in the sense of, 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 of Jurassic Park two, which was really about InGen being the big bad, you know, because then you had John Hammond's son taking over and he was kind of, he, he almost seemed like that Ellis character in Fallen Kingdom where he was a real, like, he was, he, he wanted to do like, uh, like safari hunting and all this kind of jazz, you know, and it was just more of like that kind of situation. It was more, you know, it wasn't corporate based, but it was more, you know, catered to rich people because they're going to pay all this money to be a part of it. And we're going to do as much as I can to make this a rich person's kind of uh, hunting safari place. You know what I mean? Like they, they're doing yeah. like in, in Africa. Like so, a, a wild game. Exactly. Like big game. like yeah, Big game hunting. Big game hunting. You know, so they were going to be doing that, that kind of thing. And InGen was at the forefront of it. And his son was doing all that kind of stuff. So it's just one of those things. So it was just funny, but, but I just thought, sorry, I just thought about that part and I thought that was great. I mean, I mean, what about you guys want to talk about any of the things that you saw in the movie? Let's just start talking because it's a long fucking movie. Let's do it, baby. Can I point out, um, Jeff Goldblum and that <laughs> laugh that he does? Yeah. Oh my Everyone God. Everyone makes jokes about it. It's really that funny. It's it is. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> and the part where he's like, where he's uh, where he's what does he what does he say when he's um, God, what was it? 
when he keeps talking to, to him and then he keeps grabbing his knee and the old man keeps knocking his hand off. Like, like he's like, don't, don't touch me kind of thing. Oh, like, when he's like, I bring two scientists, you bring a rock star. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. I mean, it was great. I mean, the, dude, Jeff Goldblum in this movie is like, is in his stuttering glory. It's just, it's, it's, um, his muttering is just unbelievable in this movie. Like it's, well, he's crazy. got all the quips, all the little he does. quips are, are his lines. He hits all the beats. He hits all the right beats. Man. Oh man. It was okay. it's, it's so like I the was, line about Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, you know, in Disneyland when the Pirate Caribbean break down, they don't eat the they don't eat the tourists. That's yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> so um I I tried to do a little bit of research on this movie and um most of my research didn't involve actually looking up anything. I watched other people's research on YouTube, so I'm lazy. Anyway, um, so there's two, there was two things that came, came up to me and, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. Did, did you guys hear at all or read about how the animatronics of the T-Rex started to malfunction in the rain scene? I've heard about it, but I've, I didn't really get into that. So, so there's a scene for anyone. I hope everyone's seen it by now, but uh, spoilers. Yeah, definitely spoilers. There's a scene, uh, the park has to be, all the systems have to be restarted. Have we even gone through what the synopsis of the movie is? No, we, no, we have actually done synopsis of the film. <laughs> Let me rewind. I'll do the synopsis. Uh, there's a, a couple. We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. No, I'm kidding. There's I'm kidding. A called Engine that has figured out how to clone and grow dinosaurs from DNA found in mosquitoes that were caught in tree sap and buried millions of years ago. So they're growing dinosaurs. Their hope is to take an island off the coast of Costa Rica, turn it into a theme park for everyone rich and poor to visit, except uh, life is uh, ever-changing and dinosaurs are... Life finds a way. Life finds a way, exactly. That's one of the lines. Um, anyway, uh, and, and they're trying to turn it into a theme park with like electrical fences to contain the animals and keep them separated in different pens, but it, it just it doesn't work out so hot. Um and and that, that's where clarity all, ensues. Yeah, I mean, they got all kinds of problems. Plus, I mean, this is this is the basic Frankenstein story all over again. That's what it, it is. is. It's just another take on it, but it's Frankenstein yeah. all over again. Which I'm sure yeah. it was not lost on Michael Crichton. That was all part of it. Of course, no. That's a good point. I didn't even think about the Frankenstein thing. Um, yeah. So so Newman, uh, I'm gonna call him Newman because that's who he is to me, right? Anyway, Nedry, um, Nedry, Nedry. Nedry is this character who basically bid to be their programmer, write their systems, and he's disgruntled about not being paid enough for the amount of money that they're about to make off of this park. And so he decides that he's going to steal a bunch of proprietary DNA strands to take them to another company, sell them, and in order for him to do that, he has to escape the island before a hurricane hits. And so he writes a virus, because he's the programmer of all the systems, to make them all shut down and not work until they reboot the systems, except for there's a lot of problems with that. So all that being said, that's kind of where the story takes us. Um, so my point, there's a part in the story where the Tyrannosaurus Rex pen and its electrical fences are turned off. And uh, the, the T-Rex is smart enough to figure that out. He breaks through the pen. He starts trying to uh, chase after the people that are in these little vehicles and whatnot. And, uh, the way that they shot this uh, was a mix of CG and animatronics. And 
it's frankly done in a spectacular fashion. There are incredible, only to the keenest of eyes, will you be able to tell the difference between the two, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, even, even though this is from 93, right? And this is, which is, which is, which is amazing that it's from 93 and it looks this good. Well, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about how they made it look so good, but I'll move on. Um, the, the animatronics scenes they built, I think it was like a 50 foot tall, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex with, you know, uh, a, a skeleton and a silicone rubber skin and they painted and all that stuff. Well, in the scene when they built, when they had the script and they built the machine, this scene was not supposed to be a rainy scene or a thunderstorm scene. So they built the machine to, to, to work perfectly out of the rain, not in the rain, right? Well, uh, it turns out, you know, whenever they, when they move the neck this way or the head that way or open and close the jaws, there are, you know, settings to say that I need this much power to move the motor and close it, right? Well, it was changed after the robot was developed to a raining scene. And so now the robot is being soaked in water. And that's not as big a deal. They kind of could plan for that part. But the silicone skin of the the Rex starts absorbing water, making the machine considerably heavier than those motors were designed for. And so you can look online on YouTube. You can see footage where the Tyrannosaurus Rex machine is shuddering and shaking because the motors are not meant to handle that much weight. And so between takes, they turn off the rain and they've got entire crews that are trying to dry off the Tyrannosaurus Rex with towels and trying to get it weight down so that the machine will work again. And I thought that, that was so freaking cool because in the movie, you can't tell that there's a problem at all. They figured it out. Yeah. I mean, I thought the same thing, dude. I thought it was, and, and, and I knew they had issues, but I didn't know what the, what the breadth of the issues was. And also there was funny because it was something I read that Kathleen Kennedy, who was one of the uh, producers who now runs, of course, Lucasfilm, She's one of the, she's one of the producers on Amblin. She's like one of the Amblin producers that always worked with Steven Spielberg. And, and it was her and Frank Marshall. And she was saying that while they some of the people would freak out because while they're having dinner on a break or something, all of a sudden the T-Rex would roar because of the glitches that it would have from being out in the rain. Ah, uh, that's funny. <laughs> and people would scream because they, because it would be, it would be that's like awesome. right there. That's and awesome. it would roar so loud that people would get, they get worried. They get scared. They wouldn't know what was happening. So it's just, it was funny. It was just one of those things, man, where life imitates art kind of thing. You know, it's just hilarious. But, but yeah, no, yeah, I, I had heard there were some issues, but yeah, no, that you can tell in the special effects, it looks so, it looks pretty, it looks pretty much just like it looked back then. You know, you can kind of see it on some of the daylight seasons, like, like the scene with the Gallimimus looks a little bit more fake than it did in the theaters. Mm-hmm. But that scene in particular, man, it, it doesn't. It looks just like it did in the theaters. Like you, no, you can't really tell. This movie has really aged well. Like it's, it I think has. It really, considering that it's almost thirty years old at this point. Yeah, it's it's yeah. aged really well. So I mean, yeah, the those practical effects and the CGI, it still looks really really good today. And and just the simple fact, I mean, I mean, this movie just like Star Wars did for practical effects, yeah. this movie. For CGI, like literally, like jump started CGI. Basically, they developed so many technologies just for this movie. Yeah, and, ju- and then, then of course, the next step, next level up with regards to the special effects was was when he did Star Wars again in Episode One. I mean, it was just it's just like 
like it just jump started all this kind of stuff and it just moved everything forward as far as the industry did in regards to special effects. But yeah, this one this one brought like a whole other level. I mean it it brought animatronics and it brought CGI and I, I read there's only like six minutes of CGI. Yeah, it's 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 really I don't I don't know if it's it might be more than six I don't know but it, it's it's they did a lot um, they keep in mind you know anyone who's listening out here they didn't have the understanding of how like bodies in motion worked right we we didn't have that thorough understanding where you could plug it into an engine and say well this is how this creature would walk right they had to to, to frame by frame animate these characters and so um there was a um originally they hired a couple different production companies to try and work on the different animations that needed to take place because you know traditionally before this if you wanted it to look good you did what you could in practical animatronics mm-hmm. and what you couldn't in stop motion claymation right and they had fully intended to do that with this movie when they started the production of it except they made huge leaps and bounds in cg uh, development and they started um they, they they had already paid the claymation uh company to to be part of it but they were they had a thorough understanding of how bodies in motion work and so what they did was they built these small animatronic models of the creatures. So if you think about like, you know, a T-Rex that would fit on your desk, right? Maybe, maybe two or three feet tall. They built it to where I could move the physical T-Rex and that would translate to movement of a three dimensional CG character in a machine. And that's how they animated it shot by shot, like claymation, but with animatronics reverse engineered. Does that make That's sense? That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That had never been done before. And they kind of piloted that, that program. And it took the culmination of CG technology being really ready for more, but claymation experts understanding how to move the creatures to reverse engineer it into a computer so that it would output a CG image that we now see on screen. Yeah, so um, I, I, I actually wrote it down that said only 15 minutes, just to give you an idea, there's only 15 minutes of dinosaurs in this movie. Total. Movie that's what? How long is the movie? Like almost two hours long? Over two over hours two long? Hours, yeah. Over two hours long. Yeah. So only 15 minutes of dinosaur footage is actually in the movie. Nine minutes of animatronics and six minutes of CGI. That's it. And that's all we talk about. And it's such a good movie. Like it, it is feel at no point in the movie. Do you feel like you're lacking dinosaurs? You yeah, don't. And, awesome. and, and, and the movie and the, and it's funny because they, and, and like, and it's used in just, in just the right spots to push the story forward. And you don't feel like it's like, it's like slowing the movie down at all. Like the movie, it, it doesn't, the movie doesn't feel slow. I've, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie and I never am never bored of it. I mean, it's just, if it's on TV, I start watching it. Well, it's one of those things like if if the watch if the viewer doesn't notice it, then you did it just right, right? I watched this movie and I never once thought, why, why are this movie's about dinosaurs and I've only seen two minutes of them? No, I mean you, you watch the movie, you're immediately entranced into the story and you are buying every bit of it. Dude, it's just like Jaws. How often does Jaws actually show up in the movie? Exactly, that's a great, great, great point. But I was I, whenever. Um, they brought in 
George Lucas for some aspects of the movie towards the end of the production. And only when he saw the fruits of this new development, did he feel ready to go and do episode one Phantom Menace. That's awesome. That I thought that that was like, so Jurassic Park is the reason that we got the second trilogy. Not Captain EO. What? No. <laughs> oh yeah, let's do that, baby. Nah, the great I like George Lucas. I, I derailed that entire comment. <laughs> no, you did it because I was about to say that's George Lucas producing Francis Ford Coppola, baby. Oh yeah. Oh god. Oh, yeah. Oh jeez. All right, and also starring yeah. Michael Jackson. I mean, yeah, Michael of course Jackson. you can't. I mean, you can't stop that. I mean, he is know? the Captain EO. Yes, you can't stop. It's nothing movie. compared to George Lucas's other tour de force, Willow. Willow, I love that movie. That may be our W. Who knows? Oh, I love Willow. I can't wait for that. I can't. Maybe that's our W. Who knows? Who picks W? But either way, at that point, but no, I might consider that George Lucas's Ishtar. I don't know. I don't. I consider that Ron Howard's Ishtar. No, I consider George Lucas's Ishtar Attack of the Clones. That's that's my opinion. Oh no, that movie made its money. (laughs) It did make that movie. (laughs) Ishtar was like big plans, big ideas, box office bomb. Attack of the Clones is not a box office bomb. Did you guys speaking of George Lucas? Did you guys ever watch that uh, that movie Red Tails about the Tuskegee Airmen? That was a good movie too. That was a good one too. When he directed the last one, the last one he directed, it was really good actually. It was a, it was a good it was a good flying you know World War Two movie, good air jet World War Two. Um. Anyways, all right. So let's talk about some of this other stuff in the movie, like like the aspect of the theory that I thought was crazy that that was kind of coming on back then in the 90s was the theories that dinosaurs kind of evolved from birds a little bit. Yeah. No, that birds evolved from dinosaurs. There you go. Oh, birds evolved from dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah. And I'm drinking. So yes, birds evolved from dinosaurs. I already finished my spiked coffee. So I'm like, mur, mur, mur. <laughs> I'm a sad. I'm drinking for you, Goody. I'm a sad drinker. You can go ahead and mute it and we'll just keep talking. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so no, but, um, like, like that theory, which was, we didn't hear about it when we were kids, you know, in the eighties and stuff. And then all of a sudden in the nineties, this theory comes out and there's a guy named, um, there was a, um, who's the guy who was, there's a guy who actually Dr. Grant's character is actually based on. I forgot his name, but he, he's the one who kind of like spearheaded that. Uh, that theory of, you know, that dinosaur, that di- that birds evolved from dinosaurs kind of thing. And actually, they, I mean, they, they think that's actually the case because in, they, they, they found raptors that had, uh, feathers on them. Right. So, right. so, which was, which is kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Like they, they that's something that's, that's a possibility in regards to those kinds of things. Um, well, well it's, it's not even just, I mean, Look, part of the reason I picked this movie was because of how much my son right now is into dinosaurs. And so, like, yeah. it's, like, very true. There's a meme that, that I remember seeing once. It's, like, the most you'll ever know about dinosaurs is when you're a four-year-old. Um, and then you kind of the, – the, the knowledge goes down. And then it, there's a little spike when you have your double PhD in paleontology. But then, it, <laughs> but then it goes down. And then it shoots up again to when you're the parent of a four-year-old, right? Yeah. And that's proven to be true because it's not just, like – raptors but like the one of the prevailing ideas today is that like pretty much all those what they call theropods which is like t-rex and allosaurus and all those dinosaurs were all feathered um and that like our idea of what dinosaurs look like is probably very wrong and they were probably pretty much all of them were feathered except for like the what they call the sauropods which is like you know brachiosaurus stegosaurus ones that were working on the ones that the ones that walked on two legs 
that were kind of like how chickens, because that's what they say, like chickens are dinosaurs. Right. Basically, the ones that walked on two legs like chickens are were probably all feathered, which oh, wow. is a very weird look for any of those dinosaurs. But I love how B.D. Wong's character in uh, Jurassic World referenced that very quickly in a statement he made. Um, when the things are going, when they, the poop is hitting the fan, uh, and he's talking to, I think, Mizrahi, the, the guy that's kind of like running Jurassic World, the, the, the guy that kind of revived it from John Hammond's ideas. I think he says something like, when he's saying like, how can you make Indominus Rex the way that he did? And he goes, I think you wanted cooler. Wait, no, no, I think your word was scarier. And he makes a point of how like, we're making dinosaurs the way, we are making dinosaurs the way you want them to look, not how they really looked. Because, yeah. because the general public sees dinosaurs not as heavily feathered beings, but the way we always have. But like, if they made them how they really looked, like general public would not be okay with their T-Rex or their raptor covered looking in like feathers. A, looking like a giant vulture with big teeth. I wonder if, yeah. so I noticed that whenever they, um, again, I was watching some of the making of Spielberg got super upset at an early production development whenever they brought some of the um so you know the scene in the kitchen with the kids and the raptors right no no one well i thought it was more rhetorical yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. Sorry, yeah, yeah okay yeah we do of course yeah no, so, I, saw, so, I saw the movie right so uh, with, yeah go ahead did you yeah i didn't realize that fucking dick all right so when, <laughs> when the raptors walk in the room there was a original design where the raptors would slither their tongue like a uh, like a snake would, and the whole focus throughout the whole thing was we're going to make these like birds because that's part of the point, right? That was the prominent theory at the time. Not that they were like snakes and reptiles, but they were like birds. And so he got super upset about that. He sent them back, and he said, "So, so there was this production guy who brought the slithering tongue uh, cut, right, of that that of that scene." And he had a backup plan that he actually wanted to use where it was more bird-like. And it was like sitting in the wings. He hadn't brought it up at all. So he went and brought up Spielberg, got like totally basically reprimanded on it and said like that, I want him like birds. And he had this other plan so he could turn it around and hand it over because he wanted to move in that direction of it being more bird-like. So as a, as a kind of almost (laughs) like, moving like a chessboard, right? He he knew that he was going to lose this one so he could bring in the one he wanted. Get what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean there's there's a couple of things like in the movie where they did is um like like they when they were when they were create when they were doing the raptors, like they you know they they had thought about, you know, okay, the the, the size of the raptors that have been that had been found up until that point were pretty small. They weren't big dinosaurs. They were, I don't know how tall they were. They were like maybe four or five feet tall. N- not even that. Like, like I, I remember that was when I was going like to get to. Like, they were like chickens, right? They chicken were basically, size? well, if you're looking at Velociraptor, like in the movies, Velociraptor, the Velociraptor actually was about the size of a turkey. Yeah. So, Which is not but, very intimidating but in here's terms the thing. of size. So they made the movie, okay? And then when they were filming the motion picture, while they were filming the motion picture, they actually... Some, there was a, there was a, there was a dig that came about and they actually found 10 foot tall raptors. They call them Utah raptors while they were filming the movie. So it was like, 
Like it was almost as if like it was like bound. It was eventually going to happen that they, you know, they, they they did it for the movie to to kind of just be special effects and make it more exciting. But it actually ended up being true. There were, were just ten foot tall car. raptors. They just hadn't been found yet. Well, and and the thing is that they what they did is they they called them velociraptors. They made them look like velociraptors as you would have seen in the fossil record. But they were actually based on another thing called a Deinonychus, which is part of the same family. But they weren't Velociraptor. Velociraptor was actually very small. But the yeah. Utah Raptor you're talking about, and I was going to mention that later, was like this, it actually was a really big, really big, really effing scary raptor. Like had the huge claw, like that, like, like they imagine that, that claw you would imagine that they had. Um, the Utah Raptor was much, much larger than the one they show in the movie. Like it was, they are scary beasts and covered in feathers. Like they're just kind of really freaky looking, these animals. But yeah, the, the but the Velociraptor is actually a pretty small dinosaur. Looks like a looks like does it look like is it kind of like a like a nuclear infused uh, uh, vulture <laughs> that's grown inside? It's just it's just weird looking. I mean, it's just weird looking seeing those things with feathers. It really is because I'm not used to seeing that. Now, Julian, my son, will be used to seeing that because he knows about that and he grows up with that knowledge. But like for me, growing up, it's not what dinosaurs look like. So just to imagine now, and and, and you see that museums aren't changing them too much They're, i mean it's slow process but a lot of museums are not changing their they're not adding feathers to a lot of things they didn't oh, yeah. change the raptors there either i mean they, yeah. you know, they changed them a little bit but they're not feather covered birds yeah they're still really big they're still much bigger than they are in real life because again velociraptor was the size of a turkey like they were small dinosaurs very small yeah, i just saw i just saw the picture of the utah raptor and that is some scary shit and they yeah. have like almost they almost like have like wings yeah, they're, they're like, they're, yeah, they weren't, fl- they're flightless, but you see them on their little arms. You yeah. know, another thing they talk about is how, like, and this is true for T-Rex also, like, everyone gives them arms like, uh, like the piano players, where they're kind of <laughs> facing down, because they call them piano player arms, uh-huh. when in reality, they're probably more like on the sides, like, they would kind of like, almost like trying to hug you. Yeah, bring it, in, like inward, yeah. Yeah. They're hugs. Because they're just hugs. The T-Rex just want to hug you. That's all T-Rex is trying to do is trying to hug you. He's just trying to hug you. Give give me. They sound like, uh, they sound like, like give us a hug. When he ate, when he ate the lawyer, he actually didn't eat him. That's the, when they cut away, he wasn't eating him. He was throwing him up to give him a hug. And then he put him back down. We went to the lawyer again because the lawyer was so happy on the island we didn't see him again. Yeah, of course. I mean, like I said, man, he's like, give us a hug. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. The hugs. The hugs, baby. There All right, go. so there you go. so so I I always thought it was a good choice in this motion picture to have John Hammond wearing a guayabera. That was just the best. I love. Oh, ooh, that. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense for him being in Costa Rica with a guayabera. It looks amazing. And 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 I and I was and of course you know David At- Sir Richard Attenborough you know global treasure actor Sir Richard Attenborough, Academy Award winner he um wasn't he, he Lord Richard Attenborough later on he's. I, I think so. I think he was Lord Richard Attenborough. All right, anyway, but his brother ahead. is his brother is the the naturalist David Attenborough, then the guy who narrates uh, Planet Earth and all that jazz. Oh yeah, that's his brother. That's his brother, dude. I thought I was, I was like, is he related to Richard Attenborough? Yeah, it's it's it like his little brother. Little that's brother, great. yeah. <laughs> so, like outshining him, right? Exactly. Just you know, and then of course we have the great motherfucking Samuel L. Jackson. Well, I mean Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. As much as I like his character and, and many of the characters he's played. Yes. Sam Sam Sam's a money guy, right? He'll, yes, he'll he is. Him. He'll, he'll he get a movie. 
Yeah, he doesn't care if the movie's gonna make money or if it's gonna be as long as you pay the man. Well, he's but like this is also pretty early like, on. This is a long yeah. time ago, so it was. I mean, this was this like is before, this is before, before Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yeah, this is before. Yeah, Pulp Fiction came out in '95, I believe it came out. So, so yeah, this is before Pulp Fiction. It's before Die Hard Three. You know, he's still kind of banging around as you know. He's just at this point, he's only known as you know Bill Cosby's uh, 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 stunt double. You know, does anybody else think it's funny I know that, that at all? Like, Oh yeah, he was nice. His body double on the Cosby Show was Samuel L. Jackson. He was the body double on the Cosby Show. So I thought it was quite comedic. You know, it, it's kind of an old trope now. You don't really see it too much in movies, but it used to be that when you've got some kind of action thriller and everyone's getting killed off by some kind of creature, whether it be you know Freddy Krueger or or whatever, the African American character is usually one of the first ones to get killed. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson makes it a whole hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> okay. He, he made sure it did. a whole hour and 40 minutes. That, that's far more than 75% of the movie. So good on him. I mean, so good yeah, on him. got paid. Although I think <laughs> yeah. they're doing a kind of dual message there. Like don't smoke or the dinosaurs oh, yeah. will eat you. That's it. And leave your arm. Yeah. Leave your arm. Yeah. Behind because <laughs> whatever reason. That got ripped clean off, and they went for the core of the body oh, versus the tin. Speaking, speaking of arm getting ripped clean off, so and then left the arm on the screen, like, like as if like those these, these the Raptors are like, no, 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 no. It'll be a really good message. This will be so amazing, and then they're all laughing that conk, conk, that weird laugh they do. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> you know? they've been doing that sound, and they're like just talking to each other, like, oh, this is gonna be a great message. And he goes, oh, so amazing. Wait, when they see it, imagine Watch the zoom it. in shot of what yeah. that would look like to people oh, in their eyes. Great, it's great. No, no. But but what I what I thought it was just funny because they had that arm and I just good I remembered this past week when we were watching Jurassic Park Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and the guy with the Indoraptor in the cage and Ceci sees it and then he rips the guy's arm off and she screams like just in utter pain because but my daughter saw it and she just hated watching it and she's like we're like it's okay Ceci nothing's gonna happen and we totally forgot about the guy's arm getting ripped off no yeah, it was scene. rough it was like it was not easy it was a rough watch. scene to watch <laughs> I didn't realize that she's like ah just like screams her brains out. It's hilarious, dude. It's amazing. I My it. wife made it a point of like, this isn't really a horror movie, and it's it's definitely not necessarily a kids movie. But she was like, this is a scary movie. This it, yeah, jump. There are moments. There are moments in that movie where if you're if you're not ready for it, it's gonna get you. Oh like, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Like like the whole T Rex scene. I mean, the whole Raptor scene at the end, dude. I mean, it, it could go anyway. I mean, what I thought was funny is the scene where they're above the in the ceiling tiles, and the the and Lexi falls through the ceiling tile. They had to like, which is something that like back then you couldn't do, but they did it in this movie with this way CGI was. Is that when she fell, the it was a stunt person, and the stunt person looked up at the camera. So so they actually had to like with computers remove the stunt person's face and superimpose. Uh, the actress who played Lexi's face on the stunt person. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, dude. Because that's the magic of film. Yeah, bro. You see, <laughs> I'm blowing your mind, motherfucker. Blowing your mind. But yeah, no, that 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 they had to do that for the scene. Is that because the stunt person looked up and you know they fucked up the scene? But it was such a good shot that they had to go back in post. We'll fix it in post. Had to go back in post. 
and literally superimposed Lexi's face on the on the uh, on the stunt person frame by frame. It's wild, wild. So, so. I thought that uh, there's another. Um, you know, for anybody, I've mentioned that you know that the book and the movie very different. Yeah, let's talk um, about the book. There was uh, there's a YouTube channel out there for anybody who's really into you know cinema and so forth called Cinefix. Uh, like you need to get your fix on cinema, right? Um, they do a comparison. You know what the differences are, and oh, there's so many. It, there is a lot. They took a lot of liberties, but they also um, kind of made some changes that I think made the story kind of move forward a little bit better. So I, I have not read the book. I only know what they mentioned in that video. Tomas, were there any things that really just... Well, my brother read the book too, so I read I the book actually, that same summer. I, I actually never read that book. No, I didn't. I thought you read it. Nope, I never read it. I okay. always just listen to you talk about it. But I got to say, like, Michael Crichton, didn't he write the screenplay? What part of the team that wrote the screenplay also? Yeah, it was. he got, so, he got like, screenwriting credit. Well, okay, so screenwriting credit. So... The good thing when I see that, I like that because that means the author was like, they were at least on some level okay with the changes they're making because they're still part of the writing process. You know? Well, I mean, also, also, Michael Crichton at that point had been in Hollywood for quite some time. So he, yeah, knew, he knows how it works. He knows how it works. He, he, and he's he written for television and all that and movies and, as well. He, like, and he's written, I mean, like Westworld wasn't even a book. It was a screenplay originally in the seventies that oh, he directed, dude. you know? Hold on. Like the original Westworld with Yul Brenner. Um, he, he wrote and directed that movie. And then he also wrote the screenplay. I think he wrote the screenplay for Andromeda Strain, which was his first big book. And then he also has Marathon Man, which is another screenplay that was another good movie. I mean, so he knows how Hollywood works. Like he, he, he knows how he Hollywood works. He knows that there's going to be changes. Now, here's the thing. The book itself is much different. There's basic similarities. Some scenes are very similar, but the movie, the book itself is completely different. Like Nedry in the book is not fat. Nedry is a, is like a, a, a lean muscle bound dude. In fact, Nedry's look is more Ian Malcolm's look. That's the, that, that was a big difference. Like black sunglasses, leather, yes. leather jacket, that kind of thing. Yes. He, Nedry and Nedry actually in the book was the lawyer. He wasn't, he wasn't a programmer. He was the lawyer. And I think he survived, or at least, I don't know if he died or he survived in the book. I don't remember that part. But he, he, he lasts a good while in the book, in the book. Um, and then of course the big difference in the book is that everybody escapes. John Hammond doesn't escape. He doesn't make it. And he's killed by, uh, I believe it's a herd of Dilophosaurus. Well, you mentioned once when that, that, um, I remember you when you read the book. That, uh, you said it was actually somewhat gorier than the movie. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. one of the characters, I thought it was Nedry, but when one of the characters gets killed by a Dilophosaur, they're blinded and they feel all this warm stuff around their hands. And when they finally took off the stuff off their, their face, their eyes, they were holding their own intestines. That was Hammond. Oh, that was Hammond? Oh, wow. Okay. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Cause yeah, it was Hammond. It was Hammond. That was at the end of the book. And I remember reading that. I'm like, holy shit. Cause in my mind, well, of course, I watched the movie first. So in my mind, I'm, I'm imagining the actors in the book. So I'm seeing the actors in the book. Like in the book, the, the, the ages of the kids are swapped. There's a little sister who's annoying. And then there's the older brother. Okay. So Lexi is little in, in the book, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the book. Tim, the brother, I think his name's Tim. He's older. 
He's old. He's the older. Plus, he's a dinosaur. At you know, at you know, he's he's a enthusiast, but he's also a hacker. So he's both in the book. And they had to do something with the girl, whatever. It was just how they made the changes in the book, in the movie. But there's that. I mean, the aspect uh, and and the thing with the book also is because Michael Crichton at that point was still teaching uh, technology and um, genetics at um, at MIT. Because he has not only does he have like a, like a doctorate in 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 technology and things of that nature, but he also has a doctorate in like genetics. He's and an MD, also. He's an MD, also. He was, he so was like, an MD. Yeah, he was an MD. Yeah, exactly. So he's got all these degrees. So this book is like a definite confluence of all his his passions. Okay, because you have the genetics aspect, you have the, the the anatomy aspect, and you have the science of technology. All in one, and there's, and this is one thing that I didn't like in the book. I understand why it's there. I guess it's just me because I read it when I was fuck, 14, 15 years old. I mean, there's, there's literally a whole chapter of Ian Malkin talking about the chaos theory. An entire chapter on the chaos theory. It's the most boring chapter. I've read boring books. I fall, I fell asleep one chapter into Pride and Prejudice. I didn't read the book. I got the Cliff's notes. Sorry about that, Mrs. Whitney. But. That that one chapter was super boring, but it was about the chaos theory, so it had to be read. And then, of course, there's other there's 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 sections in certain chapters that go deep dive into genetics, gene splicing, DNA genome testing, genome you know all this kind of stuff. So the book itself is actually really good, and it's actually and it's completely different. So you have to kind of take it like two different things, like two halves of the same pie. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean that's kind of what I did. I mean, granted, this is night and day different films, but I read the Harry Potter books and I've mm-hmm. seen the movies. Both are good, very different stories. I mean, what? Well, no, I mean, you know what? I didn't think oh, so. I got to. I didn't think so that. either. I dude. feel like they, I feel like the Harry Potter movies were actually closer were, than most movies. I are. think they, yeah, for, for me, I thought they were very close adapta- much closer adaptations to their novels than I think books. And movie adaptations now, tend to be. I feel like they were. The only, At least the first two of them, anyway. It was just like the, the Harry Potter movies felt like somebody handed them the Cliff Notes book and they had to write a script. This is true. That. This is true because you have, you know, in the movie, I forgot which one of the which, but you have the whole like elf revolution thing. Yeah. Well, know? I know, but but those, but that, but also those, they, they, they took a lot of stuff out of the out of the books in the movies that didn't really matter in the grand scheme of the story because elves suck. Anyway, I mean, whatever. They do. Yeah, but the books were, I mean, like many other stories that were written in novel first. The novel was better, right? The book, of was course. Better. So, so granted, it didn't move the story along. Maybe it wasn't pertinent to the core of telling the story, right? But it did give you so much context and understanding to the world around you that. Kind of made it hit home a little bit better. Yeah, I don't. I, I actually, I think I'm gonna disagree with this with the Harry Potter stuff. Like, I feel like again, the first two movies, um, especially they. I won't say they're the books were better. The books were more expensive, but I don't think the books were necessarily better. I mean, I just was like, I was really impressed by those movies as adaptations of the novels compared to other adaptations I've. I've seen, which were so vastly different that I was like, okay. I mean, the, the example I always give for that is Lawnmower Man. But anyway. Oh, God. That story is completely different from the movie. Yeah. Completely different. The most recent one I had was uh, Ready Player One. N- very different story. 
but 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 both very good movies. Absolutely, very good movie and good no book. No I don't think the adaptations were good. Dan, I was close, but yeah, but still, but but not lawnmower lawnmower man level. I mean, if you ever read oh, the short about, story by Stephen King and then watch oh, the movie with Jeff Fahey from the nineties, oh, with I God. think Pierce Brosnan. Complete. I don't even know. They say based on the short story by Stephen King, and I'm like, how? How is it? The only the only base is it literally is based on because they have the same title exactly. Do you you know? You know what? What? What book? I think is so much better, and the movie was just such a disaster, in my opinion. Was another Michael Crichton story, which was um, Congo. Oh Oh, God. God! Yeah. That movie was the book was amazing, amazing book. I remember in Puerto Rico, like me and my brother both read, like we would each read three different books, and then we'd be done in like three days, and we'd swap, and like, and we would watch, we would read the book, and the book I was done in the book in like three days. My brother too, and we were like, this book was so good. Then we heard the movies come out, I was like, oh, movies coming out great. We went to go see the movie, we were like this movie fucking sucks. It was it's garbage. Horrible. It was garbage. Such garbage. You know, and I mean, it was just like, oh man, Jesus. Like Michael Crichton, it was just a bad Michael Crichton movie. Like Sphere actually was a much better Michael Crichton kind of flick. It wasn't as good as the book. The book was just as, was really good too, but at least it was better. But then, then Congo, man, Congo was so bad. Oh, so bad. So- and of course, and of course, you know, if you want to think of another Michael Crichton book that became a movie, uh, you can just say just as good as the book is, uh, 13th Warrior. You know. Oh, dude, yeah. Thirteenth Warriors, based Antonio on Banderas, yeah, which is based yeah. on Beowulf, obviously. Yeah, Beowulf and um and Eaters of the Dead, the Michael Crichton novel. Well, the, the, the novel Eaters of the Dead is based on Beowulf. Yes, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. And the movie is based on Eaters of the Dead, which so, is based on Beowulf. Did did anyone? Is there any like like? Granted, I, I think we've we've all kind of agreed. I think so far, Aben, Aben, this movie. Does uh, it passes the Thundercats test? Right, it still holds its its water. Oh, it's oh sure, yeah, dude. for sure. Of for course, sure, for sure. of course. Did dude. anyone notice and, anything and, and it, that was wrong? And it passes, and it passes the Thunderbolt the Thundercats test at a, at a clean two hundred and fifty million dollars, which is what Steven Spielberg made on this movie, by the way. But go ahead, what were you well, saying? No, I, I, honestly, like the the things that were just kind of were dated were still fine. Like I liked when um, the girl, like hackers, interactive CD-ROM. And like you see, like Unix. I know what Unix is. Yeah, I just think it's like okay, yeah, it's very. I mean, it's dated, always dated because it it was for its time, but it's not bad, and it's not like you're not. When I think of the movie, nostalgia tinted glasses, but I watch the movie, I'm like, no, it's still good. It still holds up. Yeah, and and I love how she's in front of that computer, and you hear constant clicking, and like nothing's happening, but you hear constant clicking in the background. Click, 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 click. Giant keyboard. Yes. No, it's the mouse. The mouse is constantly clicking. <laughs> like, what is this happening? Well, Nothing think, is being done. I think the big test, though, is like, and granted, this might just be, you know, the age that we're at versus like, you know, a teenager today watching this movie. But I watch that movie and she says Unix and I see the graphics of that computer terminal that she's on. It, it didn't pull me out of the story, which is ultimately, I mean makes it good enough to, to hold its water today, right? Yeah, all, all, I mean, all that scene is there is just for the suspense aspect of it, of yeah. them trying to put on the locking mechanism. You're not, you're not going to be jumping in like Tron into this system. They're not going to be deep diving into like hacker stuff because that's just not what they were doing. All they were doing was just putting on locks. And so it's just for the simple aspect of moving the story along, bring some type of suspense 
to the actual and giving this, honestly giving that character something to do. Because well, the whole yeah. movie, she's been basically a complete and utter coward. Now she's got something to do because she's a hacker, as she said earlier. Well, wasn't and, it the book that the little brother was actually an older brother and wasn't yeah, really yeah. anything? That's what I said. In, in, in the book, he's the hacker. He's the hacker, not the, not her. Well, so, so one thing that I thought was kind of comedic because I'm sure this movie has been re-released and remastered and director's cuts and all that. I have the, I have the 4K edition on digital. So, so there's a scene, you know, at the end where the, the, the raptors are in that lobby with the, the fossils and the T-Rex comes in and saves the day, right? The, the way that those, CG animations are, are done, you know, the, rec, the the T-Rex and its movements are one file. The raptors and their movements is another file. And even though the T-Rex is biting the raptor, that's two different elements that are animated separately and then overlaid during production, right? That's awesome. If you watch the film frame by frame for that sequence, there is a part, there, there's a single frame where the T-Rex is biting on the raptor and ripping him back and forth, and the raptor disappears. <laughs> the raptor didn't render in a single frame, so the, ra- the Rex is just shaking back and forth with the raptor, and then suddenly he's gone, and suddenly he's back. If you watch closely, to anyone out there, there's a, they talk in depth about it on, um, what's the YouTube channel? Corridor Crew. Those guys do CG effects all the time. They're it's kind of like, like that scene in Fight Club, where he superimposes like a uh, porno into the movies with the kids. All of a sudden it just shows up and no one wants to talk about it. You know, that kind of scene. I so. have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you need to watch Fight Club then, it's, my, it's, buddy, it's, my he, Okay, he, 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 okay. By Bebel saying he, he means like the character. Like it was, it was an in-plot movie thing where we, the character what he does for yes. a laugh is he would do the kind of like, he would run the projector in a movie theater. In movie theaters, And yes. just for fun. For fun. He would splice in a single frame from a porn film <laughs> into the it's film so reel good. of a kid's movie that's being shown. And it's so, so like, good, and dude. he talks about how, like, there's that moment when you could, you watch, he said, I would watch the audience. And like, when that little frame would come up, you would see the audience visibly kind of like people looking, kind of look around a little quickly, but no one wants to mention it because no one wants to admit that they saw this in a kid's movie. And it was like, but, like a giant penis on the screen in the middle of a kid's movie. Just a single frame. But like people notice it, but no one, no one says anything, but you can, and you would know it's say, I mean, how like little things like that have no bearing on a story. I totally it's, forget them. And you remember every little detail. <laughs> it drives but that's, but that's how I am, dude. That's what I do. Ask good. That's, that's always how I always have been. That's the way it is. I gotta say one thing, and I mean, I'm kind of holding this in because I want to, but going back to the whole like Nedry and how we looked in the novel and all that, it's funny you mentioned that. And then I looked it up just to confirm it for myself. But I remember clearly when the movie came out and when movies come out, they always have the toy tie-ins. And when Jurassic yes. Park came out and they were like showing like the different, sure. the, the, the action figures of the characters from the movie, Dr. Grant, all these things, right? And then they showed Nedry and I'm like, that's not what Nedry looked like. And then I, then when I told it to, when, when you saw the commercial, you mentioned it. That's how he, the, the action figure for the character from 1993 is how he looked in the novels. Cause it's a guy that's like fit. He's got like a weapon on. He's wearing sunglasses. Like yeah, he dude. looks nothing like Wayne Knight's character. And it's nothing. because 
the character, because the, the action figures were made with the novel in mind, because probably the, the action, I think Kenner, who makes all these action figures, I mean, they made the famous Star Wars ones. They probably made the action figures without having seen the movie because the movie might have been under, you know, very tight wraps or whatever. So they based them on the, how the characters looked in the novel and not how they looked in the movie. So they hadn't seen the movies. Yeah. I, cause I remember, I remember that conversation actually when we saw the, I remember that conversation, Cody. Actually, I remember when we saw the commercials when we were visiting Dad one summer, and I go, "Dude, that's what he looks like in the in the in the book. That's not what he looks like in the movie." Like it was crazy. So I didn't know this, but apparently they released a special edition Dennis Nedry Jurassic Park figure inside a Barbasol container. Oh, that's amazing! That's perfect. That's just perfect. <laughs> and you hear every time you open it, you hear like you hear the. <laughs> that's all you hear every time you open it. <laughs> That little squeal. <laughs> oh. oh my god! That, oh, another, that another. whole scene. That whole scene is. That, I'll be honest with you. I'll be one hundred percent honest with you. The scene with him and Dodson is my favorite scene in the whole Dodson. movie. It's Dodson. It's Dodson, everybody. Especially when he actually uses the barbersaw and then puts it on the pie. Like yeah. that's amazing. Like I love that scene. It's so funny on so many levels. And like at the end, he's like, "Don't like." What he says, like, he's like, he's like, "Don't be cheap on me, Dodson." Like, like it's. And he just paid him like fifty grand. <laughs> another another fun fact, and then I mean, I'm, I'm I, I remember watching um, the movie, and it's something I only learned now because, of course, my son's into dinosaurs, like all that. But like one of the things they talk about is obviously like you know the movie, and we talk about dinosaurs and feathers and all that. And one of the fun facts they always said was that actually T Rexes were not particularly fast creatures. I mean, fast if you're running, but not really all that fast. And so the idea is that. When that scene, when they're in the, the Jeeps and they're like driving away from the T-Rex to get away, they would have easily gotten away from the T-Rex. And those well, they Jeeps. even said in the movie, like we've clocked him at over 30 miles an hour and the guy's in like fourth gear and not over 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that like even 30 miles an hour is really fast for a T-Rex. Like T-Rexes were not quick creatures. Right. You know? So like, yeah, they weren't. They, they, they probably they had. Probably had faster reflexes on catching the things more than catching up to them. Well, and that's why that one, that's one of the things we're talking about now that perhaps T Rexes, although could be predatory, probably relied a lot on like scavenging as well, like finding things that were fresh kills and like not vultures type thing, scavengers, like carry on feeders, but they relied a lot on like, like kills of opportunity, like something is already dying and not moving and not able to run away rather than like, the famous scene of them fighting Triceratops, you know? Or maybe like if something had already killed something and was just starting to eat it and they just run in and kill those things. Yeah, and get it. And then they eat everything else. Yeah, that's They were more for like opportunity. They were opportunistic predators more than anything else. That's what they call it, opportunistic. But yeah, no, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's a, there was a couple of things that they also, like I found out about the movies that, so Universal paid $2 million to, Michael Crichton for this book before it was even published. That's one thing. But the funny thing is, is that James Cameron actually was going to buy the rights to the book and he missed it by like a few hours. Apparently Michael Crichton had already agreed to and signed with Universal and then he had received an offer from James Cameron at that point, but he had missed his opportunity. So James Cameron was probably going to watch the end of the movie. But after he said, after he saw the movie, he said, oh, he, I, 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 I would have never made this movie. Like, he would have never made as good a movie as Steven Spielberg had. Jeez. I mean, talking about missing like a I mean, Harrison Ford was offered the role of uh, Alan Grant, and he said the exact same thing. He's like, oh, I would have, no, that I would have not been able to handle that, do that, do that part. 
So it's crazy, man. I mean, it's crazy how shit like that. I always laugh. We always talk about that in these movies that roles that get offered and then move on to other people. And it's just funny, like, like it's just funny how things like, like, like what I've always heard is that for a movie to get done, because you just mentioned about the T Rex, and then all these other stuff happens back, back, you know, behind the scenes. For a movie to actually get done, finished, edited, get ready for premiere in the can, as they say, is it is a small miracle because most movies, a lot of movies. Don't even get that far. Well, they have so many people who want to do this or want to do that, and they can't get the backing. They can't get the production for it, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know? I mean, think about it. It took 10 years for them to even do Forrest Gump. Well, and I think, I mean, after Jurassic Park had to go, they already had been given, you know, the funding and, and you know, freedom to actually start producing the movie. I mean, it took something like three or four years. Yeah. As they call it, it has to, had to roll through what they call development hell, as they say. Yep. You know, yep. had to go through all the necessary, figure out where the shooting at. I mean, and, and of course, you know, the shots, the exterior shots is in Hawaii. So it's fucking amazing. You know, what they say is Costa Rica is Hawaii. You know, what's not on a set, you know, and you know, they spared no expense. As they spare say, no expense. There you go. <laughs> spare no expense. Hey, but we got this gem of a movie, man. This, this I know exactly. We talked about it. Oh, did you did you did you hear about? The, did you read them? Um, I have I got so much trivia because I was writing it all down. The um the T Rex roar was a mix of dog, penguin, tiger, gator, and elephant. I believe it. I believe it. Some of some of the greatest roars that we've had in cinema ever were always mixes of things that you wouldn't normally associate. Yeah, and and they were talking about how they made and this I do know because I remember watching it behind the scenes how they made the little sound. To make the, the the water shake was like they they like set up a a guitar like a string. Yes, a bass. Uh, they put like a speaker under the car and they turned up the bass all the way and they just plucked that string and it made the that was vibration. incredible. Like and and I went back and rewatched that scene and you can't even tell. Like the the guy, what what I forget who it was. One of the people working on the film was sitting at home playing his guitar and he noticed at a certain certain frequency the glass would vibrate the way he wanted it to. Yeah. And so they rigged a guitar string to go through the floorboard of the car. Somebody sitting under the car plucked the string and it made the water vibrate like that. That's crazy, dude. That's crazy, man. That's movie magic. Wow. Exactly with that. Movie magic. So, but yeah, dude, no, I mean, I mean I mean, is there anything else you guys want to talk about in the movie? I mean, just just there's one, a lot. one more point, and then just but uh, so the next chapter in this Jurassic Park, I guess, sextology is it good? Sex, sex, sex. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Anyway, six movies. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion is going to be coming out in 2021 on June 11th. 28 years later to the day of the first movie. To the day, right? Because it was June. It was June, it was 11th, June 11th, 1983. The next movie yeah. coming out is June 11th, 2021. Yeah, dude. I mean, I can't Classic wait. World dude. Dominion. They already started filming it. Sam Neill's already tweeting about it and shit. I mean, it's it's great, dude. It's great. I love Sam Neill's tweets. Sam Neill's tweets. I mean, like I said, global treasure, Sam Neill, dude. National treasure, global treasure, New Zealand treasure. He's his tweets are amazing. He tweets because he owns he owns a, a vineyard in New Zealand. That's where he lives. He has a vineyard and a farm in New Zealand. And, and uh, I, I have to find it, but he, his, his, his Twitter handle is like, is the name of his, of his farm in New Zealand. And he is so funny because he always shows himself with one of his ducks. 
Like it's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah. It's called two paddocks. Two paddocks is the name of his, uh, of his, um, yeah, that's funny too. Cause two paddocks. Cause in, cause in reality in, in Jurassic Park, they're only, they only talk about two paddocks, the Raptor paddock and the T-Rex paddock. Huh? Check it out. Notice that. Yeah, I just noticed that. Talking about the connections, right? Everyone, everyone who's listening, start thinking out some conspiracy theories. Yeah, dude, it's funny, but he's he's so hilarious when he's talking about like all this stuff, and and he talks, he shows pictures of his stuff. But yeah, he's he's filming right now in in England uh, the new movie with everybody. I mean, everybody came back. Oh, who's alive? Everybody came back. You know, Sam Neill's did, there. Did you see that Jeff they Goldblum. debated on putting him in the movie? It was going to be Harrison Ford. Yeah, I said that. Yeah. Yeah, that oh. he was. He, Harrison Ford was offered the role, and Harrison Ford said after he saw the movie, like, nah, that, that thank God they didn't give it to me. It, it wouldn't have been a good movie. But he was like, but no, but he, it's everybody's coming back. He is Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum. I mean, whoever's alive, who knows? Jo- who Joseph Mazzello and uh, what's the girl's name? Are they coming back? I think they're in the cast at least for it. Yeah, are they? I'll have to look Along at that. The- and Mr. Fact Check, please check on that, please. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah no but i mean is he gonna be uh with his long hair that he had in um in uh in uh sorry in bohemian rhapsody sorry oh my gosh no because <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the bassist for queen <laughs> like the one who's a dentist <laughs> so, oh, sorry. oh god it's amazing it's amazing anyways but yeah dude it's I can't wait, man. I can't wait. I, I can't wait for this movie to come out. So it doesn't. Anyways, look like they're giving them. They're probably gonna be. Credit they're probably gonna credit. be like. They might uh, be like a like a secret feature or something like that. Like a cameo or something shows up. Jeez. But yeah, dude, it's insane, bro. Such a good movie. I am so glad we did this one. It was such a good choice. It was. It was a very good choice. Good choice, Goody. Good choice. So you're we're welcome. You're, thank you so much, Goody. And, and you know what? You know, you know who I don't appreciate is the lateness of the information by Mr. Factor. I think he's, I think I'm firing Mr. Factor. Oh, this is all I have. <laughs> okay. You can hang around then, Mr. Factor. I thought he was going to go. I thought he was going to keep him. I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to say, mm, the fuck you. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, all right. So, top shelf uh, time. I think it's top shelf time. Oh, wait, wait, uh, do we have to rate the movie? Are we going to rate it? I mean, oh, let's rate it. Let's rate it. it. Fuck it. I mean, I mean, look, dude. I don't care what anybody says. This movie is always going to be a great movie, no matter what you do. It's a great movie to watch. It, this is like on the Mount Rushmore of Steven Spielberg movies. This has got to be one of them. I think. You know, you know. In my opinion, it's, it's like one of the big ones. It's, it's one of the big ones. Like for me, the Mount Rushmore of Steven Spielberg movies. I mean, we can always say that. What's your Mount Rushmore? This movie, uh, Jaws. Uh, honestly, Schindler's List, and um, another one for me was. Well, you had to pick four. I mean, Mount Rushmore. You know, yeah, only four I know, movies. I'm, I know. I'm thinking. I'm. I don't want to do ET because honestly, I'm, ET was. I was good, but I was never really okay with it. Um, honestly, for me, Ready Player One because it just hit all the spots for me. So, it's got a lot of nostalgia that makes Ready Player yeah. One get a huge leg up for me. Yeah. So, but uh, as far as the rating on this movie, I mean, this is a nine point five in my book, dude. It's a nine point five. Okay, that's fair. I respect it, Goody. What are you thinking? Well, uh, in terms of just is it flawless, is it a ten? It's. I mean, I'm not gonna say flawless because you know it's not flawless. I mean, interactive CD-ROM. I'm kidding. I mean, that was <laughs> so it was fine. 
Two um, million, two million lines of code, and only one person runs it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't know about that, but all right. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna give it a nine point five too. Nine point five. It's it's almost, it's a solid movie. Um, it's it made it was made all that much better that I was like, I was like like okay. What makes it so good also was the fact that when my son, who is six years old, watches it, right? He saw Dr- the the Jurassic World movies, which are far more actiony than this movie was, right? I feel like anyway, Jurassic World were much more action movie, like like ten pole type films, much more compares- CGI filled. I mean, you see dinosaurs everywhere in that. movie. Well, yeah, the advance of technology and just that the, the the pacing of the film, but the fact that this movie, which has all scientific jargon and all that stuff in there, very few dinosaurs in it, and he was still watching it and still really enjoyed it. Like he sat through it and he watched it. And he wasn't all that distracted when he watched the film. So the fact that that he enjoyed it uh, and being so young and all, it was much more talky. Than the Jurassic World films, um, to the point where like it was one weekend before we went out on our vacation that one that weekend before we left, he saw all five films that weekend, and he saw Jurassic World more than once in the, the, the that weekend, even during the week. But he liked it, so that's what also made that movie such a good good thing for me. So nine nine point five severed uh, Samuel Jackson arms out of ten. <laughs> it says a lot about a, a kid today watching these movies and loving it. It says a lot to me about that. Um, so two 9.5s, I'm going to feel like an asshole. Um, I thought it was a great movie. I think it held all of its water. It, it, it still is a fantastic movie. It, it made huge leaps and bounds in the film industry. But to me, I was honestly going to, I was just going to give it a 9.2. And I feel like oh. an asshole now. No, no, don't. no, you're fine. I, I, I was going to go, I was going to go, hold all its water, movie, blah, 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 blah. It's a seven. <laughs> it's just, it's a solid seven. I think it's a no, solid no, seven. No, like no. if you, like, it would have like, been like the old, where... like the old, like Soviet judge or whatever in, yeah, the, that, in the Olympics. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like this. It's like, oh, the Soviet well, judge let's stereotype. Go, let's go to the, let's go to the judges. Oh, it's a 9.5, eight, 8.5, and a four from the Romanian judge. <laughs> At okay, least that no. like that stereotype they give. So I was like, yeah, 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 exactly. No, no, dude, a nine point two is good, bro. Great movie. I thought it was a great, great movie. It still holds up. Um, I don't have any regrets about like watching it. I still feel like, I, I, frankly, this even today seems like maybe I was just watching a modern movie with lower resolution. That's that's what it felt like. Like it wasn't yeah. filmed in four K, basically. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the motion picture. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. The motion picture holds up. It holds up. I mean, there's plenty of sci-fi movies that you watch from like the '90s that just don't hold up. I mean, they did. They just they didn't do not age well. Like, like another motion picture that right like today ages it has aged amazingly as a sci-fi flick is the original Blade Runner. I mean, it looks fantastic oh, now, dude. especially in 4K. Especially but, in 4K. But how? Okay, we're, I know we're tangenting here, but. Who gives a shit? That's what we do here, baby. Is it Blade Runner? What is it? Twenty forty seven or twenty forty? Twenty forty nine is is a much better movie. It it is also an incredible movie, and I feel like they came out two years apart, and I love it. Yes, they it's amazing. Such a fucking that movie was so good. Mm. It oh. is a, it, that movie is such a fantastic movie, and and the second part that the, the twenty forty nine is such a good movie, and I, and in, in my opinion, it's actually better than Blade Runner. I mean, it's just. It's amazing. You're saying the sequel is actually better than the original? <gasps> that's, that's kind of sacrilege, man. You can't say that. I understand that, but it's true. But it's true, and I will fight you on that. I don't know I if I agree. Maybe we should do an episode on that. 
We should. Well, let's get through the twenty six, <laughs> and then we far. can have our, and we can have our own little mini sodes. You never know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a break and uh, and do like one of those things. All right, know, for a couple episodes. Anyways, all right. We so got our ratings in. I think we all agree. Shelf. Fantastic movie. Fantastic. Top shelf. Yay. Uh, Loving it. All right. So I'll I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go first with top shelf. So on my top shelf this week, I am going to be doing a game. So me and Goody are flip flopping. Um, I'm gonna do. Uh, Ghosts of Tsushima. Okay. So I got the, so Goody got me the game for my birthday. Right. And, uh, and I felt so happy. Thank you, Goody. I've, I don't have to You're most you. welcome. You're most welcome. <laughs> yes. And the game is, dare I say it, unbelievable. I mean, the, the game is absolutely gorgeous. The Kurosawa mode is cool. Really cool. But here's the only problem that I have with the Kurosawa mode is that it's in black and white. And if you play this game in color, wait, isn't, isn't, I'm sorry. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem I have with the Kurosawa mode is the basic idea behind the Kurosawa. I mode. understand. <laughs> I understand that the Kurosawa mode is amazing. I'm not taking anything away from the Kurosawa mode. I played Kurosawa except mode except for it's not as good. But dude, the dude, problem I have with ice cream is the fact that it has like dairy and sugar, oh, and it's yes. cold. It's far too cold. Yes, that's why. That's why I only do it gluten free with no milk. Anyways, oh. no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that look, no, when you you. Like when you play the game and you play Kurosawa mode, it's cool. The you energy, thought I was bad the feel. by giving like weird ratings. Shut the don't fuck agree up. On. Listen to me. And then we get to my point. <laughs> God damn it. Anyways, what the I'm problem saying with Kurosawa mode is it's, it, it's, it's, it's in Japan. <laughs> it's if they put it somewhere else. I did not say that. I'm the least. It, oh, shut the fuck up, both of you. Okay, so no. What it is is that the movie, the game in the movie, the game when you play it in the color mode and the regular mode. Not the Kurosawa mode, which, like I said, is not taking anything from the game. It's amazing in Kurosawa mode. It's got the all the feels, the the um, the, the overall energy is perfect. It's like watching a Kurosawa movie. The problem, the only issue is, is that when you play it in the in the regular mode in the color, the colors are amazing. I mean, everything is so crisp and so beautiful. I mean. Running your horse through these fields of flowers and reality, and, and then while you're playing, while you're doing that in these huge fields of flowers, the character literally moves down to the flowers so that while you're running your horse, he's touching the flowers for fun. Like you're, you're not even doing that. The computer's doing that on its own. Like the character is actually doing that. Yeah, it's, part of it, it's part of the animation for the. Yeah. The oh, that's cool though. I like that a it's lot. It's cool as shit. And then when you're running through these, when you when you're riding a horse through these bamboo forests, it's it, you feel like you're in those movies, man. And the bamboo is just passing right by you. You think you're gonna hit a bamboo tree, and you don't. It's crazy. It's crazy good. The graphics are amazing. There, there. I told Goody when I we were in we were in Sanibel last week that the game is unbelievable. I beat the game in literally two weeks. I beat the game in two weeks. And I still have more to play the game as far as, I mean, there's a lot of outside stuff you can do, plenty of side quests. Uh, I play, I beat the main storyline in two weeks and it was, it was not easy. And I remember f- uh, a few episodes back, we talked about Ghost of Tsushima in the news and it was talking about how you can play the character two different ways. You can play him as the ghost, which is the ninja side, ninja side, or as an honorable samurai. There is one drawback. And I learned playing this game. You have to, in your mind, you have to truly not, like, like forcefully make yourself not do assassinations. Oh, like, you have to be a good guy. 
Like you have to be a good guy. You well, not even to- a good guy, but like you have to basically like, call enemies. Like in other games, you're going to try to like thin the herd a little bit. You have to challenge. Right? But no, in this one, you have to take on every other guy, every guy face on. You have to on. walk up the front gates and start fighting people. You cannot surprise them. They have to know you're there. They have to sound their horn. Like you cannot surprise people. You cannot assassinate because the minute you start assassinating, the game will then cater itself to you getting more points, more experience points more by assassinating people. It's it's weird See, that they went the with conscious to make yourself not do it. It's not. I, I think it's not. It's and um, Ronan. Well, I think it's not so much evil or good. It's honorable, dishonorable. And it's honorable, dishonorable based on his perspective as a samurai that, like, if you're doing the stealth thing, then you're not being honorable. Yeah. And, and, and I want to go into the storyline, but yes, because the minute you start doing that, uh, the minute you do the first one, all of a sudden there's a cutscene. Like the first stealth kill? The first stealth kill. Because I remember the first time I did a stealth kill, it was by accident. Like, it just popped up, and then my finger automatically moved to that button, and I did the stealth kill. And then all of a sudden, it was a, a memory popped up on the screen of a cutscene where he's talking to his uncle, and the uncle's telling him not to do this stuff because it's, it's dishonorable, and it's not what samurais do. He's a samurai. He's a lord. He has to do the honorable thing. And doing assassinations or killing. And, and, and then, of course, at that point, the storyline gets skewed because... Honestly, 100% honest with you, it's so much more fun doing the assassinations because you do some crazy shit in assassinations. Like, I mean, you just, it goes nuts. And then the story just builds on the aspect of being a ghost. Whereas, you know, it's just, and you can get to do more and more things, more and more techniques that are popping up that you can use as a ghost that are absolutely brutal. I mean, brutal. Some of the scenes, some of the techniques you learn. But, I mean, the game itself is fantastic. The graphics are amazing. The story is great. It's engrossing. So, this week, man, this week, Ghost of Tsushima. 100%, bro. I might actually check this out. So, you're basically telling me the stealth way of doing things is basically the more fun. I mean, they, they, they the clearly, I mean, it's the name of the game, right? The title of the game is literally that. So, it's probably, it's geared towards that style of play. Yeah. Either. And so they're pushing you towards, right. and the storyline. The storyline gets real good with this good with the ghost part because there are certain things you do in the storyline that, like, all of a sudden, like everyone kind of like is like, "Whoa! Like, what are you doing, man?" Like, it's it's it gets it gets pretty hairy between in certain certain relationships kind of get skewed, you know, in the in the in the game because of the things you do. Like, there's a scene. Like you, like, okay. This is something you you learn in the game, so it's not like a crazy spoiler. It's not even a spoiler per se. There's a scene where I'm not gonna say what's happening in the scene, but you have a choice of whether releasing a Mongol uh, general or slaughtering him in front of the other Mongolians because you had a duel with him. Slaughtering him. If you let him go, it's honorable, and you get points for being honorable. But if you slaughter him, all of a sudden you learn a new technique where if you kill five guys, six guys without hurting yourself, they don't hurt you. And you kill six guys, you can essentially move a technique where all of them are scared and you can kill four dudes like immediately and they're not going to touch you. Like they're so scared they're not going to fight you and you can kill four guys in the matter of 10 seconds. 
But if you slaughter him, but the way you slaughter him in front of everyone that you know, you literally stab him in the back with your sword, you pull it out, and then you cut off his head in one fell swoop. So, I mean, the moral of the story, it's fun to be a dick. Yeah, dude. In the game, I thought it was fun to be a dick, bro. Because, I mean, it's just, it's it's good. Worth the buy. It's worth Did you beat it as a ninja or did you beat it as a samurai? I beat it as as a ghost. Because it was just, at that point, I was pot committed, as they say in poker. Mm. Because it was just getting to that point where I was getting more bonus points for killing guys without nobody noticing. Or having what they call the shoji assassination, which was, there was one... There was one place I had to clear out of town, but I had to clear out with not raising the alarm. And one of the bonus points was kill four dudes by shoji assassination, which apparently a shoji assassination is you're in a house, you're behind the door, and the dude's standing in front of the door, and you you stab him through the door. Whoa. Nice. Nice. You know what I mean? Like you break through the paper door by stabbing him, and you pull it back out, and he falls to the ground. That's pretty sick, dude. No, 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 dude. There's a, there's a, uh, there's another thing. There's a technique that you can use called the heavenly strike that you can use in the middle of a fight. And if you say you have a guy who's got a sword in his hand or a guy who has a spear in his hand, you use the heavenly strike. It's three quick swipe swipes, and you kill the dude. But in the process, you literally lop off his arm. In the process, so I, I don't give a shit, dude. It's so a lot more fun than man. It's a winner. It's definitely a winner. Uh, uh, Goody, what you got? Well, like you kind of alluded to before, um, we flip flop a little bit. My top shelf is actually not a video game. Uh, I think it's like for the first time ever, but it's actually television. Um, actually two TV series. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little, little, uh, dual action there. Uh, first is the, um, the new series and an old series that I just discovered thanks to you, Bebo. Thank you very much. So the new series. Uh, you're um, welcome. Uh, it is a series. It's on, it's one of those, um, Apple TV plus series, one of their kind of original programming. Uh, it's a series called Ted Lasso, uh, starring Jason Sudeikis, which, uh, as of today, cause you know, I don't know if you guys know this or people don't know this out there. And I guess they, obviously people know this, whatever. Uh, but you know how some of Apple TV, what they've done is that for the Apple TV plus original stuff, they sometimes release it episodically. Like they'll give you like, Three episodes will drop in the very beginning, and then after that, they'll only start releasing them weekly uh, for the run of the rest of the season. And so, as of today, tonight, uh, August twentieth, they've only gotten they only the first season, the first three episodes, and there's going to be a new episode tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, Ted Lasso, man, I'm hooked on that show. I love it. Uh, short synopsis of it: Ted Lasso is a guy that's like I think he's a a two way uh, college football coach. Um, yeah, it's Division Two. They call it Division Two. I'm sorry, I don't want to say Two A. Uh, Division Two college football coach, and you know he's a guy that's like you know popular. They show him he's kind of popular guy. You know they kind of mentioned it later on in the series that his his teammate his you know his teams that he's had they've all loved him as a coach because he's a really positive guy. Um, and he gets and he's so yeah he's a Division Two college football coach. Uh, and he suddenly is invited to become the head coach or what they call the manager of a British professional premier league, uh, football or soccer. As they say, as they say, he's the, he's the gaffer. He's the gaffer. Yeah. And so, and the fun thing is that he doesn't know anything about soccer and he doesn't even know the rules. Like he doesn't even know all that stuff. So it's just, it's a great series. It's, it's, it's got, it's really comedic. Uh, what I love about his character is that he comes across, what I love about him, he's so positive, 
such a positive kind of figure, but he's not an idiot either, which is, I think is, is a great sort of thing where he's not like country bumpkin, fish out. I mean, there's a fish out of water stuff totally, but when he talks, he's got like, you know, kind of like a little Midwestern, you know, Southern kind of uh, like Midwestern kind of accent. Midwestern so, twang, a twang, yeah, a twang. Yeah. But like, he says things super positive, but he's but he's not an idiot, which I love about that. Like he's, they don't make him dumb. He's not like some kind of hayseed type guy. Um, so it's it's really really good. So I love it. Ted Lasso, check it out. It's really 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 good. It, it, in in the series, in the in the little bit that I watched the show, like he understands the gravity of his situation. That he is a football coach in a in a soccer team. Like he understands that. He's probably not the best person for the job kind of thing, but he's doing his best at it. And he's very positive and like you see him and it's funny because like the, and here's the thing. And I actually got my wife hooked onto it with me. Um, because she saw the trailer for it that they, that they showed for it. And, and I, I had her, I said, look, you got to watch it. And we watched it and she didn't want to see it at first because the trailer sells it as I think more of a straight up comedy and it does not sell or really kind of show any of the depth that you're going to get in that series and there is depth to it real depth to it um and so like it's it is a much deeper show than you think than just a straight up comedy even if the trailer didn't sell it that way um but yeah ted lasso the other show um that i'm actually hooked on was an older show bbc series that my you know brother told me about it and he showed it to me and i watched some and now i'm hooked on it it's a show called death in paradise which has already been on for a few seasons or series as they say in england uh i think the first season was in 2011 um and i think they've gone all the way i mean at least the ones that, that we can find over here like at the 2018 or 2019 i think it is i'm not sure i haven't looked into recent stuff but i don't know man i got hooked on it and then the whole premise of that show is it's about this um it's about this this island in the caribbean and uh that's a british uh possession i think or a british ter- I, don't know, I don't know what the exact yeah it's a uh, british possession british possession and they have their own police force. It's a very small island. They have a police force, but apparently there's like a kind of an exchange or a deal where like the chief of their police force has to be someone from the Metropolitan Police of London. Um, and so the whole series starts with like the current police chief guy from London, uh, is found murdered and all this kind of mystery surrounding it. And so then they send another Metropolitan, uh, detective inspector as his, his, his ranking is. Uh, to solve the crime. And when he solves it, and it's all very whodunity. Like you watch every episode is kind of a self-contained mystery. There's the murder. It, it, it kind of reminds me of, I guess, the, the kind of like Sherlock Holmes or House. Yeah. Actually. Like, or, or like an Agatha Christie kind of novel. Where it thing. is, where they're usually a really weird murder, yeah. weird circumstances. Yeah. And then it all is wrapped up at the end with always the same scene where all the suspects are gathered in the same spot where then the detective explains why it, it's this person that's the suspect. And, um, it's very and, much and, like and, old and, school done it, and every episode's like that. But it's still, it's, it's got me hooked. It, man. It's funny because it's it's the, every episode is somewhat redundant in the way they do things, as far as at the end with the with the big reveal. But every time it's good. It's like it's like every time is fantastic. It's great. Yeah, man, it's got me hooked. So yeah, definitely, uh, it's it's great. And, oh, and the thing is that the guy he's in this first season, he shows up to the island. Um, and you know, his predecessor was very much into it. Like he would wear like flower shirts, shirts and like much more casual. This guy refuses. He's very, very, very straight laced. I mean, he's good at what his job, he's good at his job, but he was not well liked in London because they talk about how they make a kind of a comment, uh, one of the characters to another character in the show that when that detective left 
London, they had a party, but they had a party after he left. Like basically they were celebrating that he was finally gone. Uh, yes. and he shows up and he's, but he, he refuses to wear anything but a suit. So he's out there in that Caribbean heat wearing a full suit, walking on the beach, wearing a full suit and carrying a briefcase and like, at the crime scenes and like doing his thing. But he's refusing to kind of, he, he's very, very, very straight laced. Like it's, it's funny. So yeah, death in paradise. That's my other top shelf choice. Yep. That's a good choice. That's a really Solid good choice. Pick. Actually Solid pick. Yeah. What about you, Derek? What you got? So, man, I had a really tough time picking my 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 top shelf this uh, this episode, right? Um, because honestly, I have been filling so much of my time trying to finish the uh, Clone Wars show. Clone- <laughs> I, I am man. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do any spoilers, but. I'm in season six where Ahsoka has the stuff that happens to her. Yeah. Man. Gut wrenching, but that's not my top pick. Not my top pick. Okay. Um, and so I was really, I wasn't sure, like, do I want to bring up some old classics, you know, like avatars on Netflix now. And it, it, it's, it is a kid's show, but man, it is such a good show. Um, or like I, I finished off, uh, Amazon's upload series that you guys mentioned, and man, that was a good one. Um, but where I landed, man, I had to go back to like one that I just I know is good, and and man, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, D Stars. So it's an anime series. You can watch it in English now on Netflix. Um, it's kind of a anthropomorphic kind of high school drama where predators and herbivores live together. And I don't want to give it away, but damn, it's a good show. You guys, that's a, that's a Netflix anime, right? That's like one of those Netflix anime shows. Yeah. So it was the manga has been out for a little while and then Netflix bought the rights. They reproduced it and released it. And it's one of the, and I, not just my opinion, but there are lots of other people that are far more entrenched in anime than I am that have given this as like one of the best animes of 19 when it came out. And, uh, it, it's probably the best anime that Netflix has done yet. Um, it, it's, it's such a good series. It's pretty short. I think there's, uh, here I'll tell you. There's, uh, do, 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 what, 12 episodes. Um, they came out towards the end of 19. Uh, the second season has been greenlit. It's coming out in January of 2021. Um, yes, check it out. It's on Netflix. You can watch it in English for those who are like aren't into reading the subtitles and whatnot. It's an easy one to get into. But I will preface this with, if you don't think you like the first episode, watch the second one because it will throw you for a loop. And second episode... Not not safe for kids. Not not a good idea. Don't don't go there. Okay. Like well, Food so, Wars. So these are I like saw the first episode of Food Wars. I was like, ah, yeah, I get it now. Food Wars. So, Food Wars. Kids probably won't catch that play on what's going on. But I did. Yeah, of course we did. We're well, adults. But before kids have ever heard or seen or know what sex sounds like, Food Wars is safe. You're good. It doesn't ever show anything. Well, let me let me ask you. So these are I'm, the, the name of the, the what is it again? Uh, B stars. It's spelled like Beast A R S. B stars. 
Okay, and these are animals. Okay, Is yeah, that, it's sort of oh. like it, it, like high, almost like Zootopia on another level. Uh, yeah, yeah, very, very much like like Zootopia. Um, your main uh, protagonist is uh, a, a gray wolf, and he is there's like this ongoing kind of nervousness in the school between predators and what would be prey, right? And they're supposed to be harmonious, and you know, predators are supposed to use their skills, their strength, their speed, whatever, um, you know, for things that they can put that application to other than hunting. And the same way that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, herbivores are, you know, good with plants or something. Maybe they, they tend to plants or something like that. But um, I'll just tell you for anyone, this is a spoiler. If you don't want to hear this, skip ahead about a minute. Um, second episode, the wolf is trying to ask for some flowers from the nearby gardener from the garden club, who is a, uh, a rabbit. And he helps her do some things around the garden stuff that she couldn't lift or do. And she says, how can I repay you? And proceeds to get naked. Um, I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming. I, the, none of the episodes were like that before that. And they ha- they weren't really much like that shortly after, but he's very caught off guard because meanwhile, he's trying to resist eating her like tearing flesh from bone. And she's trying to get naked and seduce him. Very interesting dynamic for a show. It threw us through me and my wife for a loop, and it made us want to watch the rest of it. Well, that's pretty funny because, like, I say Zootopia, but like, clearly those those creatures have like dis- developed their ways of not to eat each other. And yet, this is interesting, where it's sort of like even with their advanced civilization, the predators there still struggles. have those instincts. That's yeah. really funny. And 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 the same way that the herbivores struggle to. Uh, it, it, to them, to the herbivores, some of them, it feels condescending that a wolf or a predator would act like they are on the same playing level. You know, like the herbivores are, are, I know that you're faster than me. Why are you faking it? Why don't you just be you? And the predators are like, well, I'm not supposed to, you know, try and prove that I'm better than everybody else. We all know that I'm faster than you are, but I'm trying not to be a dick. Right. And I'm also trying to resist eating, you know, deer and rabbits. Because they probably have like laws and all that. So now they're like, I don't want to break the law and be a murderer now or whatever, I guess. Well, yeah, they'd be murderers. And there's even certain things like if you show your fangs, it's considered extremely discourteous because you're essentially threatening somebody. Right. Like with eyes, essentially. Right. If you think about it. Anyway, great series. Watch if you're going to watch it. Get uh, watch two episodes. If you watch two episodes, you don't like it, don't want to watch more, then it's not for you. I can tell you that. But if you make it through two and you want more, then there's twelve of them out, and there's more coming in season two. Yeah, that's that. that that's actually on my list on Netflix. I've, I've been looking to watch it. It, was, it looks really good. Yeah, it, it's it's great show, and uh, it's it's only on Netflix right now, so you're not gonna be able to watch it anywhere else. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, absolutely worthwhile. I did want to also mention that uh, Goody, your pick, Death in Paradise. It's on Hoopla right now, and I mentioned this on a previous episode. Hoopla, free streaming service. All you have to do is get a library card. Check it out. Like oh, it. Nice. Got it. Awesome, dude. Doing it. Awesome. Doing it right now. Let's Probably go with library. it. Read books or rent things. It's good for you. <laughs> all right, cool. So now that we've done the, now we've done all of our things, now we get to the best part of the show, which is announcing the movie that we're doing next. Uh-huh. So – it is my choice this week, and it was a tough one. 
It was a tough one. I have a top three that I gave to uh, Derek. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it was pretty impressive top three. Um, and I'll tell you the, the top three, what the other two were after I give it. But I went with a motion picture that's near and dear to my heart. I've loved this motion picture for so long. And I'm going with my number one favorite I knew it. motion picture, the 80s sci-fi cold classic, Crawl. Dun, dun, dun. Knew it. Oh, I knew yeah, it. baby. All right. I knew that. I knew it. <laughs> so, but, but no, okay. So I'm going with Crawl. Crawl. Have you, uh, Goody's, I mean, Goody's seen Spelled Krull. capital K-R-U-L-L. Crawl is up, yes. out there. And if you guys remember, if all of you out there, if you remember the scene in Ready Player One where he throws a five-pointed dagger that looks like a star, it comes from that movie. Super deep cut in Ready Player One. Super like, deep Like cut. almost everything else in that movie. There's so many little things there. There's so, awesome. many, so many little things. But that one, if you haven't seen, I mean, if you haven't seen Crawl, you'd be like, what the hell is that thing? Why is it so important? And it's the reason why. But um, uh, Goody's seen it. I know I've seen it. God knows how many times. Derek, have you ever seen this motion picture? I knew you were going to call me out. I know. I've, ever since I met you, Tomas, I know this is your favorite movie. I still have <laughs> never seen it. Okay. To now watch. you get to watch it. Now you get to watch it. Like I mean, okay. I don't want like be one of. The, I don't want to give it like Goody calls the American Pie effect, where you just blow up a movie. So that's just my opinion. I've always loved the movie. I don't know why, because the movie's cheesy as shit. It's 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 super sci-fi cheese. I mean, honestly, it is. But there's so many people in the movie. Like, I mean, there's. I mean, there's a. Young... Well, it's not just sci-fi. It's fantasy. It's, I think it's, it's yeah. more of a fantasy film. I would say. Yeah, it's more of a fantasy. But there are sci-fi elements, which is cool as hell. It's just I don't know. I loved it. I loved it, man. Well, I and, it. and I for anyone who's listening here, you're gonna watch it and listen to our next episode so that you're right along with us. Um, you can stream it on a lot of different platforms. Remember that website I mentioned on a previous episode? Just watch dot. Plug it in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's on dude, Pluto dude. TV free. You just have to watch ads. So yeah, that's another there you one. go, dude. You only have to pay. But uh, but as far as the top three, it was either going to be Crawl, um, uh, a Knight's Tale. <laughs> yep, yep, that's yep. a good af- solid afternoon McDonald's lunch movie. Yep. Yes, it is. Or Kill Bill Volume One. I just didn't want to jump into a Tarantino movie. Now I, I didn't want to do that. I, I feel to, like uh, so. I, I, I mentioned this whenever you told me the three movies you were considering. Knight's Tale, it's a great movie. I enjoy it. It's a good, fun, simple movie. You don't have to think too much. It's just a good old movie. But I don't know if it really lends enough for us to be able to fill some talk time. Right? <laughs> and then, like like you mentioned, if we're getting into Tarantino, man, we're going to have our first, like, Six-hour episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Like, exactly. We may have to do a two-parter for that one. But, you know, I mean, that's the reason why. So I wanted to go with Crawl because I was like, ah, man, I, we, I, have, I haven't seen Crawl in a long time. And I was like, I need to just dive back in this movie and actually dive into it. I've never, I have never really dived into it. I've always just watched it. I've never dived into the motion picture. So I'm excited. But, yeah, that's the movie we're going to be talking about next. We're going to talk about Crawl. Um, I hope everybody enjoys it. I hope everybody had a good time on this. Um, you know, as they say in the motion picture, I mean, any who's who wants a saying today? Who wants a saying? Derek, let's give oh, us a saying from Jurassic Park, brother. Same for Jurassic Park. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Oh, um, it, we we beat this episode to death. We did. Uh, but life finds a way. Life finds a way, 
and spared no expense in doing it. Okay, so anyways, everybody, have a good night. Peace out. We are the Motor Boys. Motor Boys. Motor, 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 motor Boys. See you all next time. Bye. Peace out.